What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 14 of Good Hang. Howdy ho! Howdy ho! <laughs> so, of course, we start off this wonderful episode with you guys. Because, as always, we love your shit. We love your shit. So, so of we course, read it. Of course, we're going to read it. We got um, some wonderful reviews, as well as a response email to last week's um, advice, and we respond with more advice. Yeah. JL, keep it coming, dude. <laughs> keep it coming. Keep asking us stuff. We, we will give you advice till the end of time. Yeah. Uh, then after that, we did a little spoiler-ish review of Inside Out, the new Pixar masterpiece. I'm just going to straight up say that there are spoilers, so if you haven't seen it, you should probably skip and just like kind of scrub through that segment. But try not to scrub too far because we actually play a game that is fairly related to Inside Out. Mm -hmm. And in this week's game time, I try to reclaim what is rightfully mine. I try to get that trophy. It's it's actually my trophy, John. Yeah, I know that. I mean, it's, it's your trophy for you know uh, Interhouse Malcolm Charlie. Some, what is it, jumping? I don't know. But John has won this trophy two weeks in a row. So this week, I yep. try to get it back. Can he happens. do it? Can he do it? Tune Can in to he find fix out. It? Yeah. Um, of course, we get into the new segment and we talk about a beautiful union. What that, could have been a beautiful union? It might still be. I still hold out hope for the whopper yeah um we also get into some unfortunate news um about a recent shooting in virginia and even more unfortunate news about kanye's shocking Uh. announcement during the vmas find out more about that in the news yes we kanye but should we Uh, then after that we talk about what we've been up to nathan's been making music i've been listening to music so lots of music talk, and uh, the music talk does extend into this week's favorite thing. This week's favorite thing, what's our favorite concert-going experience? Ooh, lots of spine-tingling in that segment. It gets really, it gets it gets nice and reminiscent. Yeah, it's you know, beautiful. Very rose-colored. and All that and more, so stick around. Don't take the headphones out of your ears. It's Good Hang, episode 14, coming at ya! Bazaar. Do you not own like a? Do you not own a pair of cans? No, I own those. I bought them on a whim on an airplane once. On an airplane? Well, I mean, before on an airport to oh, use right. on an airplane. Have you ever bought anything from an airplane? Yes. Like, like in the. I hope you're recording now because this is good. Recording. I am. I am. Oh, goddamn son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> like Sky Mall, you mean? Uh, yeah, because th- remember that one time I told you that I got, um, I got a, a voucher to use in the airplane. They yeah. gave me some money, so I bought booze on the plane. Oh, I for real? You can actually buy booze on a plane. Yeah. Can you Duty-free. consume it on the plane? Yeah. There's a lot of. Uh, I feel like that's a flawed system. In what way? That you can actually just buy a whole bottle of booze on a plane. That just sounds broken to well, me. Well, it kind of sucks because, like, I've been on flights where it's, like, like, I don't know what they were, but rowdy, like, older dudes that were Filipino or Australian or, or both. Yes. And, yeah, they got a lot of booze. They got, like, a bottle of Jack and just drank it. Wow. Because I know, like, on a, lo- a lot of flights, like, they just cut you off and they realize you're getting too drunk. Yeah. Yeah. But and even then, before that, it's free. So, it's, like, it's just up to the discretion. Because it could be, like, they get so drunk that they just pass out. There's so many things that happen on a plane that I just don't understand. Okay, like... Okay, like, um, the actual flight? You, no, though that, of course. <laughs> How does it stay in the air? That, that... Not even kidding, that blows my mind, but that's a different thing. The Bernoulli effect. I'm talking... I don't understand the Bernoulli effect, but I'm thinking more about, like... No, wait, hold on. I can explain to you in, like, five seconds. All right, go for it. So, the shape of the wing makes it so that the air moves... Takes longer to move on the bottom of the wing as the top, therefore giving it... Um, 
not thrust, but lift. lift. Yeah. Dun, 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 the dun. more you know. Yeah, you learn something new every day. But um, I'm talking more about like the little nitpicky things. Like I just got off a flight this morning, right? And I just um, I hate it when they tell me to take my headphones off. Okay, this I can explain to you too. Okay, do you know why you need to have your tray table up, your backrest up, the windows open? You know why all those things need to happen? Okay, I'm going to guess. Yeah, go. Tray table's up in case, you know, something happens to the plane during taxiing and, like, you fall forward and it hits you in the gut and you puke (laughs) on the person in front of you. Uh, uh, Close, close. Um, The idea is, okay, so you need to have the tray table up, you need to have the windows open, you need to have your backrest up. This is because... um, a lot of accidents that happened before they got really strict was that the plane would catch on fire. Okay. And they learned that people, everyone could have survived if they couldn't, go, if they could have gotten off the plane quicker. Okay. So if those things are in the way, if your headphones can get tangled, if if people don't have enough room to get up because of the tray tables and things and that, they can't. You need to clear the plane in like forty five seconds, something like that. Right. Got it. Because this, I believe it was China Air. I was watching a documentary on Discovery Channel once upon a time, where it just burst into flame and everyone just <laughs> died because they couldn't get off in time. Uh, so now that's why they're like, know where your exits are. It's not because if you crash, because you crash, you're fucked. Let's face it, you're fucked. But if while you're taxiing the plane catches on fire for whatever reason, you could sa- you could save your life by it's knowing how to get because off. It's always because of it's always because of like one isolated incident though, isn't it? Like for for for, for like flights in general. Oh, so it's like one person of... hit a bomb in their shoe, and now we all have Exa- to take it. Yeah. Oh my god, I hate. Okay, I hate that guy. Whoever hit the bomb in their shoe, fuck you. Whoever brought that liquid explosive, fuck you. <laughs> Because like it's because of that one person that I need to take off my shoes at some airports, and yep. because of that person, I can't bring more than like what 150 milliliters of something yeah, on the plane. Mil. I hate that rule. I hate the 150 mil rule because look. But what what liquids do you need to have with you on the plane? Okay, here. Except a bottle of water. It's not just liquids. They just don't allow containers that can contain more than 150 150 ml. Because yeah, I just went empty, on a flight. I just went on a flight, right? Mm. And they took away my my hair wax. And you know Mama sure. loves his hair wax. Oh, because it contained less than 150 mils, but the container was big enough to hold. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The container was big enough to hold, um, like, I think 300, but I had, like, a third of it left. Yeah, that happened you know? once, too. And it was just so wonderful, because, like, this was, like, I, I, I had bought it at, like, a nicer place, and it had cost me a bunch of money. And it just, oh, my God, I was so annoyed. Yeah. At the f- I mean, I wasn't annoyed at the guy that told me to give it, because it's his job. I know he doesn't make the rules. It's his job. I, I get it. I just I was just so upset at the rules because, okay, who's to say that if I had a hundred and forty milliliters of liquid explosive, I couldn't blow up a, a plane the exact yeah. same way? This is a Keen Peel sketch, by the way. Like literally, they have a sketch that's all about this stuff. It's pretty oh, funny. Actually, they're like, okay, we'll hide the bomb in our shoes, and it's like the whole it's a whole thing. Okay, but um, I have noticed though that when it comes to hair wax stuff, people are, are getting smart and they're manufacturers are making their stuff exactly 150 mil now so they're making it efficient so not just but it's, it's just like who, not the who, one de- you got. who determined that 151 milliliters of liquid is enough to bring a plane down i don't know the That's... guy the guy who did it <laughs> i guess i don't think the guy even succeeded the guy that brought the liquid stuff on the plane didn't even succeed in bringing it on but ever since then they've been like the, the terrorists have won mm. ladies and gentlemen the yeah. terrorists have won sure. the fact that we take like 40 minutes more to get past security means the terrorists have won. Do you, do you remember what it, it was like when we were kids? Like Yeah, I used flights? to be able to meet my dad at the gate. It was so easy last time. I mean, I get that, you know, as times change, like security's got to change as sure. well, but come on. When 9-11 happened, that's basically it. Yeah. I, I, I've always wanted um, to have like this worldwide system of like basically uh, uh, um, like a personal record. Almost mm. like imagine it like a report card of sorts. 
and like they judge you by you know how much you've flown, your behavior on flights, your behavior in security, immigration. They 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 kind of they they have a numeration for it, and yeah. you and they score you based on that. You know. And so you, have, you have different aisles. Of exactly, exactly. Yeah. So based on that, you know, maybe you have like a very... Okay, maybe three big modes of criterization. So there's, First time there's, flying. There's, no, no, there's red, yellow, mm-hmm. and green. All Ooh. right? Red is for people that are on the watch list. People that have <laughs> yeah. behaved weirdly on planes or are difficult or get into fights or very easily irritated or are mean to customer service, things yeah. like that. Those guys go in the red line where they have to go through interviews maybe or just go through like a very strenuous... Um, security process okay yellow is for first-time flyers people that haven't flown that much so there isn't that much of a record on them or people who are just you know they've they've brought knives through or they were caught with you know a little bit of drugs or you know they've been caught with way too many 151 milliliter containers Mm -hmm. yeah and then the green is for just the people that are clean slate you know, n- caught with no contraband, really on time for flights. Uh, they're really nice to everybody. You know, from the security to the to the the luggage handlers to the stewardesses, and it's just perfect. You know, and the yeah. people in the green line just get to pass through. But they just a- go through immigration. Don't have to go through security. Yeah, I mean, this basically the system's already basically in place, except instead of like basing it off of uh, previous flying experience, it's based on their skin color and their name. Ah. So brown Mohammeds, that's in your red line. <laughs> that's different though. That's predetermined. Like I'm people ta- from Latin America and the Philippines are in the middle line. You know that's different. Third world. And then white people are in the green line. You know that's different. That's predetermined. I'm talking about like a new system put in place that judges everybody based yeah, on but behavior then, like, as opposed to race. So it's just saying like if you wanted to, if you do want to hijack a plane or, or, or God forbid, you know, whatever, take it over. Yeah. You just have to fly a couple, like spend a year flying, but be a really good flyer and then sneak your foot bomb thing on the plane. Uh, fine. There, there is a bit of a hole in that system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if this system... I guess we're not smarter than the TSA, you know. <laughs> what if this system carries out throughout your entire family, you know? Like I'm talking about like um, the record for you is connected to everyone that, you know, is related so to it's you. it's like, oh man, I was born to a shitty flying family. Exactly. Something something like that. Say for, example, say, for example, your dad was really into bringing guns on board, even though he never fired one. Hmm. That directly affects your record, you know? Something like that. <laughs> so something like that. So, 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 like, pretty bad record, though. Yeah. So, like, say if somebody, um, uh, God forbid, like, did something questionable on a plane, like, you know... Um, How does that help anyone? <laughs> no, no. Then basically all of his or her ancestors um, to come will have will be in the red line. Yeah, from but how, then does, on how does that help? It, it's, it's, it more or less reflects the current system. You're talking about a caste system. <laughs> well, no, but it's based on behavior. It's based on you. You determine it, not that. Not you, no, your no, no, no. ancestors. No, no, no. You determine that, not your race, not your behavior. So basically, if, you, if you're... Um, Still not you though Your grandparents But but say if your brother Say if your brother Were to like Do something bad on a plane Mm -hmm. Then that way uh, It directly affects you So it's in your best interest To make sure that Everyone in your family Does not get into bomb making Oh I see what you're saying Okay You know what I mean What if you don't like Your your family Um, You'd be an obnoxious jackass That doesn't really matter I mean You still want to fly right So it's like checks and balances You have to make sure Your brother's a good flyer So that you don't get hassled Exactly Exactly You want to make sure That everyone in your family Is out of the terrorism circle You know yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, good the, idea. The things that we invent. Indeed. <laughs> well, hello Hi guys. there, everybody. Yeah. What is up? What is up? Welcome to episode 14 of Good Hang. Yeah. If this episode were a multiple of seven, it would be my favorite one. I used to feel very, very smart when I was able to time seven by two because the seven times tables was the hardest one for me to get. 
Yeah. But it's it's like the most troublesome one because everything is it's like the first step though. Like you, should, you I know, but like that's why the first like once I got the first step, I do just, it. Go go seven times two. Seven, fourteen, twenty-one, twenty-eight, thirty-five, forty-two, forty-nine. This is getting difficult. Fifty-six. I don't. I, that was wrong, right? Yeah. No, fifty-six. That's right. Wait, forty-two, forty-nine, fifty-six. Yeah. Bam. Sixty-four. I, six. Yeah. 80. No. Sixty-four. I don't know. You made that up. I'm. Just, I stopped already. <laughs> Stop thinking. <laughs> no, but see, like, that was the hardest one for me to master back when I was a kid. Because, like, you know, the other ones were fairly simple, you know, like, yeah. 2, 4, 6, 8, and then 3, 6, 9, 12, yeah, 15. Five, and they, 6 gets a little iffy. 7 when it gets hard. No, six was, 6 was always one of my favorite ones. Six, 12, because 6, 12, 18, 24, 36, 42, 48. Every time you get to the 5, it's like a nice little place to, like, yeah. you know, like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like an island that you can hold on to. Yeah. But it's 7 easy. was always the toughest for me. So whenever, like, I got 7, and then I remembered 14, and I was like, But that's, that's almost the one you have to memorize by rote. Yeah. Like the rest of yeah, the yeah, yeah. system. The rest of them was like, I could kind of do it on my fingers. I still can't on my Eight's fingers. It's easy sometimes. because it's like four. It's like a two. It's because it's even number. Even, even numbers yeah. tend to be easier. Yeah. Nine was actually pretty simple. Hey, you want to see some hardcore mathematics shit? No. Get your calculator on your phone. Okay, all right. All right. All right. Give me any two-digit number and I'll multiply by 11 in my head fast. Okay. Um, any two-digit number. Any two-digit number. Okay. Times 11. 65. That is... 700, 105. 700, 115. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. I'll give you another one. Okay. Just to show that I wasn't cheating. A fluke. Okay, uh, 57. Uh, that would be 627. That's not bad, man. How do you do that? It's mathematics. It's mathematics. Give me another one. Give me another one. I, I'm fine. I, I, I have everything. Because no, no, I'm trying to prove a point, but you give, give me the, like a kind of a wrong number. Give me, give me, wrong, just give me another one. Is there a right number? Okay, 71. Yeah, that's better. 781. Not bad, man. It's easy. You know how to do it? I, I mean, let's just keep that mystery. You, we don't, we're not going to tell the guests how, they, how to do it? No, I think it's, it's better kept as a mystery. Okay. Also, I feel like explaining it through an audio medium is going to be a little no, bit No, it's weird. actually super easy. But anyway, like, <laughs> there was an infomercial when I was a kid for Mathematics. And it's like a thing, a system that you can pay quite a bit of money for to give you all these math tricks. Oh, wow. And to like wet your whistle, they taught you how to multiply any two-digit number by 11. Oh, sweet. So I thought that was always fun. That's always a party. That's how I, that's a party trick I, I bring out to impress people. Impress that's how the I get ladies. The, that's how I get the ladies. Hey, ladies. Hey, ladies. I can multiply by 11. You want to like, get with this? Uh, you want to get with that? I like Italian food. I like long walks on the beach. And by the way, I can multiply any two-digit number by 11. How are your panties? Are they wet? And girls, you know what else looks like an 11? Mm. You and me, uh, together. Yeah, and my two penises. No. <laughs> there was that one guy with two penises, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was on Reddit, right? Yeah, yeah, he posted, like, like pictures. But it split, right? It was like a Y? Well, yeah, yeah, but, like, it was actually just two dicks uh, on, like, the crotchal area. And That's they worked crazy. perfectly. For fun and for peeing? Yeah, for the, wow. as in they were just completely functioning uh, peni. And they worked fine. If you want to Google image this guy's, well, do it yourself. It's gonna we're be not. No, we're not going to post up in the show notes. We're not posting it in the show notes because it's going to be in the show I'm pretty notes. sure we're going to get in trouble for oh! posting two dicks. Um, John is looking at it right now. Is that really it? That, that, that's that's crazy. Yeah, but uh, if you want to Google, um, uh, he he had a name for it, right? Like diphali. Yeah, di- yeah, I saw it here somewhere. Yeah, yeah like diphalonosis or something like that. Um, He's like an X Men. Yeah. Like that's, that's, yeah, that's a... Because usually when you have mutation. these, like, you know, weird mutations, it's always like, oh, one's benign or one's, like, you know, weird. But this is two fully functioning penises. Yeah, man. So I welcome mean, to Math and Penis Talk with John and Nathan. How are you guys doing today? 
<laughs> Man, episode 14. That's, that, that means that you can listen to an episode a day and have two weeks worth of content. That's that pretty is nuts. Cool. That is pretty nuts. It's, it's nuts to think that we have taken this 14 episodes, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, it still blows my mind because it just feels like such a new thing to me. And to think that 14 weeks has passed. Like, I always hate it when I, I yep. come up with a new measurement system. Of, of the measure, like, measuring time. Yeah, a way of measuring time. Because it always, like, it reminds me of how much or how little time I have for yes. something. So Until like, death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this podcast has become one measurement of time for me. Another thing is um, contact lenses. Those have become a measurement of time. Mm-hmm. Like, one box lasts a month. Um uh, I don't use like calendars or whatever. I know I should, but I don't use calendars. So yeah. <laughs> those aren't a measurement of time for me. Um, gigs have become a measurement of time. Yeah, but that's quite irregular, isn't it? Well, yeah, but you know, they they have like it's become like instead of seeing like days in the month, it's more like oh, when did I have that gig and that gig? Like that uh, gig was yeah, the sixth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other gig was fourteenth. The other gig was forty. Uh, there's no forty. The other gig was twenty eighth. Something 40th like that. Fortieth of yeah. November. <laughs> something like that. But yeah, I always hate it when I find like a new measurement of time. Yeah. But yeah, this is episode 14. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for liking, sharing, telling a friend. You and guys if rock. You, if you are new to this podcast, welcome. Welcome to the... Hi. Welcome to the gang. Um, I don't quite know how to explain this to newcomers, but we really just talk about We're anything. We're just two dudes who like to hang out. And everything. And talk about stuff. Yeah. In an organized fashion. Yeah. We have segments. We have segments. But if you are a long-time listener, thank you very much. I know we have a bunch of listeners out there that, you know... Uh, tweet at us, message us on Facebook, uh, email us, give us reviews on iTunes. Um, thank you very much. But I also know that there's a whole bunch of you out there that are just passive listeners, you know, people that just listen and appreciate from afar. And we want to tell you that we love you all the same. Yeah, you're pretty good. You're pretty good. You're, you right. Know? you're right. You're pretty good. You're cool. You're cool. Because cool. that's honestly, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've never once submitted anything to any of them. Yeah. It's not that I don't want to, it's just I don't really feel the need to. Yeah. It's like, you know, I just enjoy it, you know? But we love both of you guys. The ones that do contribute and the ones that just listen, you know, together we form the good hangistan. Yeah. Love you guys. So Kay. good. So um, after that little mushy little tribute, I say we read their shit. Seg, way to go. <laughs> listen to us talk all day. You've got things you want to say. All you do is ask, because we read your shit. Alrighty, Nathan, we got new reviews. We got new reviews. It, it makes me very happy that every week we have a new review to read. This Thank week we guys. have two. Some would say I should bank one, but I'm not. I'm going to read them both. Also, <laughs> it helps that one is just one line. Yeah. So, Uttery Ruttery. That's that right. A, utter, that's ut, a great name. Utter, you, utter, rutter, utter, Take utter, time. utter Take I got time. it. Take utter, time. utterly. Okay. Utter, utterly. Got it. From Singapore says, found a local podcast. Finally, a local podcast that is actually decent, funny, and relevant. Keep it up. Aw, thanks. We will. Thank you, Utterly. Utters, utters from a cow. Okay, anyway. So that was nice. Short and sweet. Give us a little five stars. I dig that. Okay, and we have another review from Pat. Pat's WZ? Pat S. Patrick Swayze. Yes, it's Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze of (laughs) Ghost fame. Uh, What's that one song that he sings? There's one song he has that I love. It's You'll Let the Wind. Roadhouse. Through my tree. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Anyway, he says, hey guys, I've been a listener for maybe the fourth episode. 
ish. And I want to sincerely thank both of the hosts of the amazing podcast. Thank you, John and Nathan. You are welcome. I've been listening really. I've been. Oh no! I've been feeling really down, like really, really down for the longest time, and not many people know about this. And in all honesty, listening to this podcast helps me smile a little more. Aww. Not to mention that Wednesdays have always been my favorite day, and having the podcast have new episodes on Wednesdays make it all the more amazing. Patrick Swayze loves that hump day. He really does. Thanks to this podcast, I've also made a couple of great new friends whom I'd hope to get to know better and even hang out with. Nothing screams greatness more than using a platform to help grow relationships between strangers and giving them something to have in common. So thank you once again for this beautiful ray of sunshine in my life, and I can't wait for more content to be out. Keep up your fantastic work, and always have a good hang, guys. Oh, jeez. Oh, heart Patrick. eyes emoji, blue heart emoji. Patrick Swayze. Oh, man. That was really sweet. You haven't touched me this much since that uh, the vase. Pottery. The, the pottery. The and ghost. Oh, my God. Um, uh, thank that you very really much. Sweet. Thank you very much, Pat. Um, wow. Um, I mean... Uh, I've I've noticed this phenomenon of like the good hang gang slowly coming together on the internet, yeah. and I love it. I I I personally love that you know something that we kind of just, um, you know, this is I I feel like a part of a lot of this podcast feels a bit like an isolated experience because we are just two guys in a room talking at mm-hmm. each other, um, but you guys make it feel so much more real. Yeah, you know, you, um, being in contact with you, being able to speak to you through these various social mediums. It makes it feel like there are humans behind those numbers that we get from the statistics and the metrics and everything. And it feels so much better to know that those numbers, those faces, those people are coming together beyond the podcast. Yeah, know? I really enjoy that. I love I love it. Like, I love that I, because I've, I've been a part of a couple of fandoms in my life. I haven't been super active, but like... When I was like, for example, when I was a big uh, Firefly fan, I used mm. to go on the online. And the brown coats. The brown coats. Hell yeah. We'd get together and like every once in a while we would meet in real per- in real life. It was great. Nice. It was awesome. It was awesome. So yeah, thank you very much, Pat, for that. Um, mm. I, I hope whatever is going on in your life uh, makes you feel better. Uh, I hope that, you know, what we do on a weekly basis uh, helps you that little yep. bit. Just, you know, it's fine. Just keep breathing and laugh when you can. That's all you need. That's all you need, bro. <laughs> Don't laugh like that because then you'll get beaten up. <laughs> you'll have more problems. <laughs> you have something over there that you want to read? I really don't, though. Okay. There's an e- we got an email. Uh, JL from last week is back with hey, more stuff. Hey, Jay Leno. Hey, Jared Leto. John Legend. Thanks, bro. He goes, hi, guys. Uh, I am back, he says. This could be a continuation of my previous email to you guys, so I think you guys should really help me with this. So other than designing, so if you remember, what was he? He was, an, he was uh, a user interface, user interface designer. designer. Yes. Other than designing, I would love to start a band as well. Hey. Oh, hey now. You could call it a dream, but it's something that I would love to do. But given that I live in Singapore, it's kind of difficult. Music has played a big part of my life, and I listen and love literally every genre. Literally? Really? Literally? 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 literally. Gregorian chants? You like Gregorian chants? You like bluegrass? Anyway. Wait, wait, John. Yeah. Pause right there. Did you know? Okay, like we've, a few weeks ago, we did the whole like new words in the Oxford Dictionary. Yes. I remember that. Did you know that a couple years ago the definition of literally changed. Oh, no. They're they're allowing it? They're allowing, <laughs> they are allowing God, it. God, If you check the it. Oxford Dictionary, the first um, definition of literally, of course, means what we all know literally to be. Or do we? Well, I mean... The, Perhaps okay, we the, don't. The first definition is the, the good old, you know, it is exactly what it is you're saying. It is a, it's a literal... No, the word literally metaphor. is meant for, em- for clarification, not emphasis. Yes. No, but that's the second definition. The second definition now acknowledges that it can sometimes be used as a term of emphasis 
Sorry, John. Sorry, English. But uh, it's fine. It's okay. It's it is a pet peeve though, because it's yeah. like yeah, metaphorically, figuratively. But you know, you can use. Sorry, man, but that pet peeve has now officially become grammatically accurate. Thanks a lot, dictionary. <laughs> okay, music has played a big part of my life, and I listen and love literally every genre. <laughs> I also love local bands as well as the Firefight, uh, Elect Electrico, Good Guys, the Caulfield Cult. That is a cool name for a band, the Caulfield Cult. Good guys. Is it Emma Caulfield or Holden Caulfield? Let's go with Emma Caulfield, okay. the star of Buffy, not Holden Caulfield, the protagonist in that book that I will pull in just a second. Catch on the right. <laughs> Jeremy Monterio, is that right? Anichios, etc. From yeah. the old to the modern bands. I still remember played Weight of Her Love by Nathan Artona when he came out on YouTube three years ago. Hey. Yeah, man. I would love to start a band, and I would love advice on how to get it started. Thanks for the advice, guys. This is going to be a continuing segment, just giving JL advice <laughs> Giving on JL stuff. advice. <laughs> Again, you can talk about it. I can't talk shit. So you give him some practical advice. I'll chime in with some pseudo-intellectual sounding <laughs> bullshit. That's the new segment we have. Totes. It's giving great. JL advice that uh, John cannot quite relate to. <laughs> and here's the jingle. Go, Nathan. Giving JL advice that John cannot relate to. I really can't. Giving JL advice that Nathan can only answer. Just a bit. All right. All right, good. (laughs) So he wants to start a band. Okay, how does one start a band, Nathan? How does one start a band? Okay, first you need friends that, you know, play instruments. Yes. That is an important... First you need friends. First you need friends. You literally... You literally need friends. The first definition of literally... You first definition of literally need friends. Um, Or you can get strangers. That is true. Okay, here's the thing. Who share your musical taste in literally every genre. (laughs) I think the most important aspect of having a band, it's not always about the caliber of musicians it's about having a cool name (laughs) you have to have a cool name or else what's the point Uh, well yes you do need a cool name something as cool as the caulfield cult but it is a cool name it is a very sweet name but i think only only if it's referring to emma caulfield though okay who played anya in buffy i never if it's holding Caulfield, then it's pretentious okay um it's a good show anyway but i feel like one of the most important things with uh, starting a band is not quite the caliber of musicians. It's not always the band name. It's more about the relationship that you have with your bandmates mm. because um, I think those are the kind of things that define whether or not you will stay like a unit before, during, or after success. And it also affects the sound so much because I have been in several musical groups in my life, not you know, just bands. I've been in um, like regular bands, choirs, acapella groups, you know, various musical ensembles. Rock bands, marching bands. I've been in a rock band, actually. Have you been in a marching band? No, I've not been in a marching band. I was in in like a rock and roll band uh, back in secondary school. Nice. We played Sweet Home Alabama at a show. Yeah, you did. It was lost on a lot of people. I'm sure it was. It was fun for us. (laughs) Um, uh, But... Uh, yeah, what's very important is to make sure you have people that you can really just vibe with. I think that's so important. Even till even to this day, when I perform with musicians, right? When I do shows that aren't you know solo acoustic shows or whatever it is, I make sure that the people that I play with are people that I can just shoot the shit with. You know, be completely free with because the music making process is something that cannot quite be hindered. You know. Um, whether that be in uh, a live setting or a studio setting, I think the moment you know there is um, an element of self-consciousness, that's when you start hindering the creation of art. You know, and I'm sure this applies to acting as well. You just got to be safe. You yeah. Gotta, you have to be a group, a group of people you trust. And exactly. Kind of have fun with. Like, exactly. Just have fun, man. Exactly. This applies to, you know, um, theater, to music, to whatever kind of art form that you want to engage in. 
You have to that be is in a, collaboratory. Yes, collaboratory. You need to be in a, a collaboratory. Collaboratory. Anyway, that is a collaboration. To, yeah, you need to be in an environment that's safe, an environment where you feel like you can express yourself, you know, mm. as much as you want to, and there's no inhibitions. And I think a very important element of that, as I've said many times right now, be with people that you can really just be with for hours on end. Okay, if you once you do start your band, just think about it. Look at the people that you have surrounded yourself with. Can you? Stand to be in a room with them for 12 hours straight, practicing, rehearsing, writing. If you can, you found the right group of people. If there's someone that you just want to punch in the face and push out of that room, you're probably in the wrong vibe yeah. group, you know? Yeah. And also, okay, so, but the important thing is, or you think of a cool name, right? So I think you take something that you like and you kind of put a twist on it. Like, you know how, like, my band is called the Whamsillos based on the Sam Willis, you just switch it? <laughs> yes. I think, JL, since you're a fan of Good Hang, you should form a band called Hood Gang. Hood gang, and then you guys can do what kind of music? Can they, what kind of music would a gang? What a what a band called Hood Gang do? Hood Maybe like music? country, like a little banjo stroking. Would rap be too on the nose? No, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Straight out of Singapore. <laughs> oh, well, that's a good movie. Straight out of Compton. Yeah, it looks good. It looks yeah. really interesting. Yeah, it's Ice Cube's son, right? Because it looks just like Ice Cube. It is. It is. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of movies. Mm. Mm. Dude, we're, we're killing it with segues today, yeah? Yeah, I know. We're segway to go. Ing. Uh, yeah. See, we were on a roll up till then. <laughs> then I lost it. But uh, yeah, yeah, we didn't want to talk about Inside Out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's just, let's just yeah. jump straight into it. Because it finally came out here in Singapore. Finally. I want an explanation. I want an explanation as to why the hell this movie took so long to come so out. So random, huh? Yeah, it's very random. Because like, usually um, for big for big releases, um, the international audience gets it first. Yeah, you, but also I want to talk about this though because I don't know about you, but when I was a kid living in the Philippines, we used to get our movies so freaking late. Yes, yes. And then all of a sudden we started getting them before America. Yeah. Well, I mean... I'm a fan of this. I'll, I'll explain. I'm sure you know, but um, to those um, of you listeners that aren't, aren't aware... You a know, movie whenever... is a thing. <laughs> The light gets projected on the screen. Yes. 24 frames a second. Okay, yes. And and your eyes, you know, they play tricks on you. (laughs) That you think that what you see is moving, but they're really just individual pictures. Oh, crazy. Um, uh, But yeah, Uh, if you notice, you know, recently when you go to watch the latest, you know, offering from Marvel or DC or whatever it is, you will find that, you know, Avengers 2 will come out in Singapore two weeks before it does in the US. A very simple explanation for that is because for the US studios, a bulk of what matters is the domestic market. It's the main thing that matters for some yes. reason. The domestic market really determines whether or not they're going to get sequels, how successful they're going to be. That's how they judge the success of the movie is the domestic gross. Exactly. I mean, it's because, it's going to be less and less. But I think it's fair to say. Yeah, but more so for like, you know, big AAA titles, you know, they will still depend on domestic markets and a good way to ensure that the the, the, the a good way to ensure that the domestic market, that's a hard sentence to say. A good way to make way, sure that the domestic market does well. Yes. Is to release it internationally yeah, first. Exactly. To get the word of mouth going. If you exactly. trust your movie. If you trust your movie, yeah. yes. Um, so uh, you get the word out uh, internationally, you get the reviews in, the websites start pouring in if you know reviews. And uh, before the movie even comes out in you the build US, that it already has a score on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a score on IMDb, all these things. And that's when you know people basically rush to see yeah. a movie. Now, the exact opposite of that is when movie studios don't even release their movies to the critics, because the critics always get it first, usually. Yes. Usually. Yes, yes. If, if you don't see a Rotten Tomatoes score and the movie's out, then that movie is a piece of shit. Because <laughs> they're, they're 
embargoing it before yeah. the release day because they don't want critics shitting on it before it comes out. Yep. Um, but yeah, Fantastic so it's kind of weird that Inside Out came out like a full, almost like mm. a full month after the US yeah. release. I mean, it's probably just one of those weird things, like no big explanation probably to it. But And it was only specific to Singapore because I watched it when I was in Taiwan like three weeks ago. I watched it when I was in New York, yeah. That's strange. Anyway, Inside Out movie review. Okay. Yeah, I love Pixar. So yeah, Inside Out is the latest offering from Pixar and... Dude, I have this, um, not really theory, but more of just an observation. But Pixar, or, you know, some selected DreamWorks uh, films, they are like masterclasses in storytelling. I think you're about right, yes. They're masterclasses in storytelling, not just because of, like, the amount of thought and the amount of passion and care that goes into it, but because I think every frame that you watch, you know, takes hours and hours to render and to create and Mm -hmm, to draw mm -hmm. and to conceptualize. Like, when you watch a single, like, say, a a minute-long scene in an animated movie... That probably took them at least a well, month. Yeah, well, let's break it down. Like, like okay, so as I was jokingly saying, oh, film is 20, 24 frames per second. So that means that in animation, especially, okay, so going back to Disney time when it was hand-drawn, mm. you had to draw 24 fucking images to like make one, one to, yeah, to make, to fill one second of screen time. Yes. Here's what I don't understand, and I'm going to submit this into subreddit, into okay. the Reddit, explain like I'm five one time, is that I don't get when you're hand-drawing an image, how do they make it so that when you actually animate it it doesn't look like they're constantly vibrating like because they don't you can't perfectly get the lines right tracing paper man yeah but even then how can you get it exactly right so that when the person's still it's 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 tracing paper it's tracing paper oh, i guess when it's still you don't have to redraw yeah it. oh. it's tracing paper and it's the ability to just draw really well like it, it might not quite compute with like non-drawers and i consider myself a not very good drawer like compared you're, you're to like decent, though, yeah, no, no, but compared to like say cartoonists yeah yeah professional yeah it it's insane, like, how stable their hand is. Right. Like, they can really draw the same thing over and over and over again perfectly. That's crazy, man. It like, blows my mind. But you know what I mean? Like, it, you think there'd be, like, small little, you know, errors. Here yeah. Um, but I think there's a cleaning up process while they, they I'm sure there. I'm sure that, there's right? a cleaning up process. Animators, shout out if you know the answer to this tweeted at us. Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, mm. But... Yes. I mean, it just takes so much longer to craft, you know, a scene that I think so much more thought, thought so much more, it, yeah. yeah, so much more thought goes into it and there's really no wasted time. And there's also so much pre-planning, like, especially, yes. especially like I've read about this by John Lasseter. He really wants to lock down this, the story. John Lasseter is like the main Pixar guy. Yeah. He locks down the story and he, every, all of his films want to have a moral behind them. Like yes. if you look at all the movies, they have a strong emotional, uh, moral and, and core to it. Even ethical choices. I love that about Pixar. They're great. Yeah. So, um, Inside Out, first impressions. Um, I just really enjoyed that it was a very mature story. Mm. Like, that's the first thing I noticed that, you know, it's not a fluffy little... um, Okay, like, the generic Disney movie will be a life lesson wrapped up in fluffy gift wrap you know it'd be like a live lesson about like oh you need to learn to love yourself before you love somebody else and then they'll just make the protagonist like a car or something like that yeah but like this movie the subject matter you know the subject matter and the context of it was just so much more adult than anything i've seen from them yeah it was yeah in a weird way it's kind of anti-disney because if you were going to talk about like if you wrap in a bow tie what the moral of the story is it's that like um it's okay to be sad it's okay to be sad and also it's 
things get complicated. <laughs> things exactly, yeah. exactly. But like the the rough storyline, no spoilers here. If you, in case you haven't watched it, but the rough storyline is about a girl who undergoes a very uh, transformative period in her life because yeah. she's moving away from her hometown to San Francisco, which is you know miles and miles and miles away, like literally the other side of the country for her. She has to abandon her friends, her old school, everything she knows. Yeah, anyone who's moved can relate. Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's just like she has to abandon everything that she's known about her um, so far short childhood and adapt to a new place. And it doesn't help that, you know, her parents are also going through the changes, her dad going through, like, you know, shifts in the new job and everything like that. Blah, blah, blah. But the main thing is that inside of this girl's brain are five characters that control her emotions. Yes. And they are joy, sadness, fear, anger, and disgust. Mm -hmm. Played by a who's who of comedic amazingness. Yeah. Really, really tight cast. A lot of them yeah. trained at the UCB, by the way. Shout mm-hmm. out. Shout out. Um, Those are my people. But yeah, it was just... I, I love that it was such a complex uh, plot. But like... The mechan- no, it was... Well, no, it, it was complex in terms of like the, 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 the subject matter. Yeah. You know? It, like, you, I, I would never expect a Pixar movie to deal with childhood depression almost. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you think about it, you got to look at like Pixar movies. I mean, look at how Up started. Look at how Finding Nemo started. Like it deals... It, it They're not... They they're not shy about dealing with heavy stuff. Mm, that like, is true. That is know. true. I, I feel like maybe it's just been a while since I've seen something like this from them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very adult themes. But I love that even though they took such a complicated subject matter about emotions and how the human brain works, they're able to simplify it and distill the concepts mm. into things that are really simply and cutesily explained. Yeah. But you know, the way that they 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 um symbolize it, express it. It's not in a way where you go like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, kids will like that and that's cute. You actually go like, that makes sense. You know, I know it's not like biologically or like anatomically correct, yeah. but, you know, the explanation of that, it's it's valid, yeah. you know? I mean, it's smart. It's a clever movie. Like, I think I overhyped myself too much because, like, looking at the cast and looking at the subject matter and, and the trailers and stuff, I was like, this is going to be the best Pixar movie ever. And I left thinking, eh, you know, top five. It's, it's a good movie. Uh, I was also kind of jet-lagged, so I, didn't kind of, I fell asleep um, a little bit. See, that might have done it because I personally thought easily the best Pixar movie for me. Really? Wow. For me. It's, it's my new favorite. Like, Finding Nemo used to be, like, pretty up there for me. Mm. I think Inside Out might have taken its place only because it, it, it just felt like such a well-thought-out movie. Make sure you stay after the, like, you know, um, after the movie's done and watch yeah. the credits. Cause, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. They're going to different people's headquarters. It's cool. I love the explanation of cats. I love the explanation ah, of what, yeah, what goes nice. on behind the cat's head. And I like how it was, it was quite subtle, but I liked how they showed how different uh, people had different leaders like for the main yeah, girl yeah, yeah, it yeah. was joy but other people it was ang- like the daddy was angry like they're dominating emotion yeah, yeah yeah i think that was great so um i gotta ask hmm. did it get a little bit dusty in the theater for you oh, a little bit yeah some yeah. onions like just lurking around yeah. yeah like that stuff with the hockey stuff and she was sad it was and the part where they they took her to get pizza and it was and vegetables on it. it was gross that was sad Stupid San Francisco. You cried there. Thanks a lot, San Francisco. You, you cried. You, you cried at the broccoli pizza. Oh, fun fact! <laughs> did you see that thing that they were showing? How like depending on which country, um, they changed a, a very slight thing. Like no. when they were introducing um, the emotions, when they introduced disgust, they had her as a baby eating broccoli, mm-hmm. and that's when disgust was like ew. But if it was in Japan, they changed it from broccoli to green peppers to capsicums, no. because in Japanese culture, broccoli's are fine, but ca- but uh, green peppers takes the place of the gross vegetable. That interesting. That's cool. That's yeah. A bit you like can how, see it. Like you that, can search for it, and you can see the different frames of like one's broccoli, one's green peppers. That's a bit like how they changed the notepad in Captain America too, right? In different countries. Yeah. 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 Um, I like that. 
Yeah, but dude, like I, cr- I cried pretty bad in this one, man. At the end. Yeah, like when the like when Bing Bong um did that thing. Oh, when he sacrificed. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I we told you guys we're spoiling it, so yeah. Too bad if you're angry, then that's your fault. Um, <laughs> go watch the movie. But literally, the second he sacrificed himself. Like I just like both eyes just like <laughs> did they come from the you're like oh god well no okay like when I cry in movies like right, an orgasm I, of sadness <laughs> when I cry <laughs> in movies like my strategy like to just not draw attention is to just com- remain completely still like don't even <laughs> don't even move don't even pretend that anything like just okay basically act completely natural don't wipe anything off don't make any sniffy noises just let the tears fall and keep watching the movie. And I'll wait for at least one scene to pass, and then I just wipe my eyes. I'll just wipe them because you know. Oh, time something is, got in my eyes. Yeah, time has passed. I'm just wiping my eyes. Yeah, nothing, nothing much. Uh, yeah. When in reality, it's like completely just soaked. Seven seconds ago, just crying. My, my my whole face is just like wet with tears. But yeah, I cried twice in this movie because you know, a lot of it is. I mean, it it goes on in a freaking human brain. If you mm. can't relate to this, you are officially not human. Not human, exactly. <laughs> So what would you rate this movie, John? Um, I'm going to give it um, 8.5 joys out of 10 joys. I know this is going to be a little bit bold, but for me, it was a straight up 10, 10, out, out, of, 10. 10 out of 10. I got I to gotta watch it again. 10 out of 10 long-term memories. <laughs> Get, okay, I want you to guess. Uh, we're going we're gonna to play a game soon, but um, just for the sake of right now. Small pseudo game. I want you to guess um, the percentage on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. Uh, it's going to be pretty freaking high. 92? 91. 91. Close. 98%. 98? 98%. Uh, But what was the rating, though? What was the average rating? The average rating is 9 out of 10. Wow, that's fucking Okay, but okay. Would you, okay. So Rotten Tomatoes doesn't really work the same way IMDb does. Rotten Tomatoes works on a very, like, binary system of, was it good or was it bad? If it's good, it goes into the positive percentage. Like, if if it it was a 6 out of 10, it still gets a point in the the fresh category. Exactly. If it's 5 out of 10, then it goes to bad, right? So I want to know, who the hell is the 2% that thought this was a bad movie? Because I understand if you don't think it was a perfect movie. Yeah, but it goes the same way, because they could have been like, eh. It was kind of me, it was me, me, I know, but I don't think it deserves anything one. less than a six, right? Like, would you, would yeah, you, would you agree point. with me that this movie well, was well done enough yeah. to be considered good across the board? I it, would it agree, might, but yeah. it's Rotten Tomatoes. Go click on who did it, who gave it a, a rotten score, and see what they said. Well, okay, I, I, I have I have read some of the reviews. I'm not going to bore the listeners of that kind of info, but I'm just saying, whoever the hell's the two percent that voted it down, right? They shouldn't be movie reviewers. Same way how, like, you know, if, say, you, uh, for example, you watch a boxing match, right? And one person clearly had the upper hand. But then out of four ju- uh, out of uh, the, the five judges, one of them uh, gives them a bad score. Yeah, you well, know? they could have been bought out. I mean, it's Vegas after all. Exactly. Then as the, vo- as the sports commission, I will make sure that that judge no longer works because that judge clearly did not see the same thing that everybody else did. Yeah, you know? but I mean, film tastes are significantly more subjective than boxing scores. I don't know. Man. I think it's pretty clear cut that this was like, even if it wasn't a perfect movie for you, even if it wasn't very good, it was at least good. You know, I would not say that this was a bad movie by any extent, unless you have something against colored animated characters. In which case, you should not be reviewing a yeah, freaking I animated movie. I mean, movie. some of these reviews are actually really poor. But let's They're see. just dumb. I just I I think if you gave this movie a bad review, not even an average review. Average review, I'll give it to you. You know, it might not be everyone's cup of tea. But if you gave this movie a bad review, 
you you should be reviewed. You you, you should be reviewed. Your you're, job your review should, be should be under reviewed. Review. Your no, your freaking job needs to go under review because mm-hmm. you're clearly not watching the same thing that the rest of the world is watching. Yeah, basically, if you don't agree with Nathan, then you're wrong. <laughs> I, I just think it's it's not so much me, but if you don't like, if you're you're clearly not seeing what everyone else is seeing, you know. And that means your lens is just broken. If you think Inside Out's a, a, a bad movie and, and, and you think that Step Up 5 is a 7 out of 10, you need to be out of a job. Yeah, but are there such people? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, um, I've, I've lost my footing a little bit, but would you, would, would, would you like to play a game? Sure. Would you like to play a game? We're going to play it right now? Since we are on the topic of movies and my game is movie-themed. Ooh, we're shifting the order around. That's cool. Shifting the order around. It's a good thing I don't have OCD or else I'd be all messed up. <laughs> but yeah, let's go. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. All righty, it's game time. Okay, so John has won two weeks in a row and he's... He's won that damn trophy. Yeah. See that that solid that gold trophy. Sounds. That solid gold trophy. He's won it two two um two times in a row. And this week is the week that I try to get it the Ooh, hell back. There's a ribbon on it now. Okay. Yeah. What you got for me, bro? I bet you're gonna make this game super fucking hard just to get back. Well, no. Me. See, I'm, <laughs> see, because I'm a fair person, I'm not gonna challenge you on fucking horse names. All right. No, well, to be fair, it was. I, <laughs> it would have been fair if it was like fifty fifty. If we got more than fifty percent. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. What, what did you go? It was a hard game. You have to admit that game was like way harder than you said it was, than it you fun. explained it out to be okay <laughs> so we're gonna play a bit of the rotten tomatoes game okay you know we've played a variation of this before in the past and we just played a little bit of a teaser but uh let's let's try this game out for a little bit so basically i'm gonna ask you to guess the rotten Tomatoes score of a movie mm-hmm. and your score will be the difference you get it. So say, for example, the movie got 50% and you guessed 52. I'm trying to get as low a score as possible. Yes. Okay. You got So if you um, if the score is 50, you get 52, you two. get two points, so on and so forth, all right? Your point is to try to get the lowest score as possible. So because I'm, 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 a, I'm a fair kind of guy, you know? <laughs> I think I'm a fair kind of guy. If you get 60 points, if you get 60 points... I lose. No, you win. 60 and under. 60 and under, you win. How many, how many movies? Five movies. Okay. I think that's pretty fair, right? That's pretty fair. 60 and, uh, and below you You know what you should have done is that you should have played this on your own before, and then we could have played against each other. Well, uh, right now, we're, you're playing against the trophy. That's true. That's all, right. all you need, Bring man. it on. That's all you need. So because we just talked about Inside Out, um, uh, we'll make this an Inside 98. Out. <laughs> My first answer is 98. <laughs> no. So because we just talked about Inside Out, we're going to make this a bit of an Inside Out-themed uh, Rotten Tomatoes game. Ooh, five movies based on the five emotions. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, so um, of course, um, I'm going to pick movies from the cast of in and out and the first one. That's not where I thought you were going with that. I thought you'd be like, uh, the joy of something. No, no, no. Sadness and something. Okay, anyway, yeah. That's actually a pretty good idea, but no, I didn't think about that. So, from Amy Poehler, the Mm -hmm. lead of Inside Out, Mm -hmm. there's another movie that she did a couple years ago. Uh, She played a fairly small role, and back when people didn't really recognize her too much, she played the mother of the protagonist in this film, Mean Girls. Okay. Mean Girls, I'm going to say, has a 73. 73%? Yes. So you got to think about, you know, like the critics, how they felt about it at the time. Okay, 73. Yeah. What was it? 83%. Okay. 83%. 83%. All righty. And we're doing six, right? We're so doing, I'm, I'm on track to be tied. <laughs> yes, you're on track to be tied. Okay. Damn, so, 83. Yeah. Wow. Okay, okay cool. So, mean girls. All right. Coming up next, I would I would call this next cast member of Inside Out like one of the leads as well. She played Sadness 
Her name is Phyllis, Phyllis Smith. Smith. Okay. I don't think I know she's been in his, the office. <laughs> yeah, she's of the office fame, you know. So it's a little bit of a struggle to find her in a movie. But uh, she played a fairly okay, you know, she had a bunch of lines. She played the character Lynn Davies in this Cameron Diaz movie called oh. Bad Teacher. Bad Teacher, okay. Well, Bad Teacher. Well, Came out in um, 2000. I was going to say, can you do like a spelling bee? Can I get the year of that, please? <laughs> 2011. Came out I didn't see this one. Uh, I remember it was pretty shit. You didn't see this one. I remember it was pretty shit. <laughs> According to Rotten Tomatoes. Let's see. Uh, bam. They, okay, yeah, no, I can see how this is going to get pretty hard. Bad Teacher. Cameron, who else, who yeah, else was in it? Cameron Diaz. Oh, you're asking for hints now. Yeah, like like in a spelling bee. Okay, can, I, okay, can I have the okay, cast, please? All right, all right, all right. I'll give you a couple can of you the hints. origin, please? Okay. So Cameron Diaz was in this. Jason Siegel was in this. Mm-hmm. Molly Shannon was in this. Uh. Eric Stone Street. You know, great comedic okay. cast. Yeah, great cast. Okay. Great comedic cast. How can I'm go going to give it a 42. 42%? Yeah. 44. Ah, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, someone else was in this movie, Justin Timberlake, but I didn't want to tell that to you. Yeah. Because I felt that that would have given away like how was bad he in it was. It? Was he the lead, though? He was the second lead, yes. Huh. <laughs> Alrighty. All so, right, that's two. Boom, that's, what, 12 points. Yeah, okay, I'm really hoping you slip up somewhere. So... <laughs> Coming up next, uh, we've got Bill Hader playing uh-huh. personally what I feel to be one of the funniest roles in this movie from 2007, Superbad. Superbad, okay. I so love this movie. He was Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah. So let's see, Bill Hader played Fear at Inside Out, yes. and I fear I'm not going to get this right. <laughs> so, okay, obviously, I love Superbad. Superbad's a great film. If you haven't seen it, guys, please check it out. It's, it's a classic. McLevin. My favorite line was, it's in. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to say Superbad got pretty pretty high. Let's go with... Uh, you have to remember, it's like, you know, a teen comedy. Yeah. I like how you're trying to throw me off, but I'm just it's... not even listening. Uh, I think it got an 83. 83%. What did I get? 88. I was going to say 87, <laughs> motherfucker. I was going to say 87. <sighs> I, I thought like, I'd hedge down. I don't like how this is going. Okie dokie. That's four. That's four, right? Four out of six? Yes. Okay, coming up next, uh, from the character that played Anger, we have Louis Black. Okay, Louis Louis Black. Black, Not a lot of films recently. Famously a stand-up comedian. Kind of hard to find a film that he was in, but I did find one uh, starring Tim Robbins, of course. You know, the the guy from Shawshank Redemption? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Merlin from Top Gun. Ving Rhames was in this film as well, you know? And so is Macaulay Culkin. Solid cast. Solid cast. I think what the name in Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. So that's a thriller. Jacob's Ladder. That's an old movie from like the early nineties, right? And it was from it was right on the nineties. Like nineteen ninety. Yeah. Jacob's Ladder. I remember that got decent. That was decently received. No. Came straight after uh, Shawshank Redemption. Right before Shawshank Redemption. I'm gonna say okay. I'm gonna say. This movie was fresh, so I think it's 60 and higher. I'm going to say this movie got a 72. 72 for Jacob's Total Ladder? Total stab in the dark. I'm, I feel like it would be less, actually. Let's give it a 70. Let's 70? Fuck. <laughs> what was it? 69. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what's the score? Okay, the score so far is... After five questions. I hate you so much. The score right now is at a 18. 18. Okay. So I have to get so, this one. You have to mess up pretty 42 bad. 42 points off. Oh, jeez. 42, which is, you know, seven times six. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't I don't like game time anymore. 
time. I don't like game you time. You just underestimate me. You underestimate A, how capable I am, and hey, and B, how competitive I am. It's Well, see, because I try to make the games that, you know, something that the people see, can play along yeah, to. Yeah, we're gotta, testing out. It's, it's, it's got to be is, Just I, I, like I, last week, you gave me a too big a margin of error. 40 is, 60 is too much. Like, next time we know, like, we'll make it like 30. Yeah. Anyway, all right, let's go. Because like, I could have easily picked curveballs of movies, but yeah. I decided to go more general, you know, stuff that people have watched before that they can yeah. kind of judge by themselves. Yeah. You know? I was, I was yeah. nice. You this know? is just so that I'm tapped into the site. This is just the shows that I should be a critic. <laughs> like, I could have easily, ju- instead of picking Mean Girls, I could have picked something like The Secret World of Arietti, you know? Which got a 43. It got 95. Damn it! I would have won. I would have won if I decided to be a little bit tough on you. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay fine. Okay. But, okay, so last give me, movie. Give me the Mindy Kaling film. Last movie. Last movie from Mindy Kaling. She played Taffeta Mutton Fudge in this great, great movie. Or was it? I don't know. I That's just my opinion. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Wreck-It Ralph from Wreck-It 2012. Ralph. Okay, I think Wreck-It Ralph got a 95. 95? Yeah, I'm going with 95. It's, it was high. Well, well up there. All right. That's a solid call. And knowing that it's not, I got 98. Yeah, I'd say 95. 86%. 86%. Not bad. Well, than the margin of error. <laughs> 86? That's low. That's low for Wreck-It Ralph. What do you have to complain about Wreck-It Ralph? It's such a good movie. So, oh, what's uh, this? This is the sound of the trophy dropping into my hands. Boom! Oh, my goodness! Take another selfie. Oh, I forgot to publish last week's selfie of me winning the trophy. Hey, so That's Johnny, terrible. You I guess a, I'm going to do two for... You got a final score of 27. Yeah, I did. That's what, Okay. And even if the thing was 30, I still would have won. Okay, make sure to get your loser face in this one. I fucking hate you so much. I hate game time so much. Game time! Game time! <sighs> boom, boom. Ow! Game time! Alrighty, let's go straight up. We should change the segment to John wins a trophy. <laughs> the week that the weekly John winning a trophy category. Boom boom. So after that depressing segment, let's go into another potentially depressing segment. <laughs> Did you hear about that thing? One, two, three, four. World news, interviews, while I tear up puppy shoes, television, movie sports, racist rants, tiny horse, so many things in the world we're in. Did you hear about that thing? Alrighty. Again, we're pushing uh, what you've been up to <laughs> even further back into the pack. <laughs> it's well, fine. As long we're just as going we, with the segues, baby. It's just jazz. We're just playing jazz. As long as we have jazz. the segments. As long as we hit the resolution D, 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 at the very D, D, D. end. Okay. As long as we hit that one chord at the very end. Yeah. Okay, so um, we've got a bunch of things in the news this week. Um, first story that I've got for you. Something a little bit light. Something a bit fluffy. Fluffy like a bun, maybe. You know? I don't know. <laughs> What kind of bun are you eating for a burger that's like fluffy? A, a, a fluffy burger bun? You oh, know, yeah. we got some burger news for you. This is a whopper of a news. Okay, so a... uh, this happened earlier this week. Um, uh, earlier, la- uh, late last week. Sorry, I forgot we released this on Wednesdays. Um, McDonald's was offered a offer that they they've been offered an offer. They've been. You offered... want to go with that one? <laughs> burger King made an offer to McDonald's that they could not refuse, but. Well, sadly, they did. They did. So okay. September 21st uh, is the International Day of Peace as sanctioned by the UN, the United Nations. Peace for one day. Yeah, let's see how that and goes. How, how be- what, what better way to celebrate peace than to take two of the biggest fast food giants in the world and bring them together? That is exactly what Burger King tried to do. So um, Burger King put up an ad on the New York Times and the Chicago Tribune. Made a website. A, yes. Made it on Facebook. They- everything. A proposal for the fast food um, giant McDonald's to combine 
two burgers. Of course, the Burger King signature Whopper and the McDonald's signature Big Mac to form the Frankenburger that is the McWhopper. 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 It sounds like a great idea. And it, they took it even further. They're like, let's meet in the halfway point between our two headquarters, which ended up being in Atlanta, Georgia. McWhopper. You know. Okay, so um, uh, the, the ad that Burger King put out, literally on like the, the news, like on the newspaper. Imagine waking up one day and you just see this. The front page news is a proposal from Burger King to McDonald's saying... Good morning, McDonald's. We come in peace. In fact, we come in honor of peace. We know we've had our petty differences, but how about we call a ceasefire on these so-called burger wars? All right. So um, the ad goes on to basically uh, tell them uh, the advantages of, you know, having their two burgers come together for one day and all the proceeds will go to a charity um, that will profit um, the uh, World Peace Day and et cetera, et cetera. And it ends off with... Let's end the beef with beef. Talk soon. It's great. So they want they want to, they want to take they didn't really get into the details, but they want to like take half of the uh, what makes you know the Whopper great and half of it in the Big Mac and put it together. I think that would be the greatest sandwich. Okay, what would be the McWhopper for you, Nathan? The McWhopper for me would be a McSpicy. No fool. Like what would be? Oh. What, what in your opinion would be a McWhopper? Like what would the ingredients? Oh, I thought you meant like my two actual, fantasy. Burgers. We'll talk about that later. I thought but, like my two that's a great idea. Okay. But yeah. Um, okay, the McWhopper for me, I imagine, um, like, you know, like, okay, I, I find that the, the, the veg, like the onion, tomato, lettuce. Um, from the Whopper. From the Whopper. They're superior. Just, they have so much bite. Yes. And they have so much more of a tang. And you can mm. really taste, like, the, 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 the greens. The lettuce. And you the can really onions. taste the lettuce, which yes. is not a thing anyone's ever said. And I really like the Burger King bun as well. Okay. And it actually, you know what? I've I've come to realize that I like the Whopper so much more than the fucking Big Mac. So maybe Whopper's just damn good. Maybe just take the sauce from the Big Mac and put it in the. That's Whopper. it. You gonna diss the McWhopper? That's not very peaceful. Okay, fine. Just put like a bun in between no, them. I think I think you just go hardcore. You just take the top half of a, of a Whopper and the bottom half of a uh, sorry the top half of a of a Big Mac and the bottom half of a Whopper. Does the top so half you of take... the Big Mac include the center bun? Yeah, I guess so, because that's kind of what makes a Big Mac a Big Mac, I guess. The three buns. So it's, okay, yeah. so you go, okay, so from bottom up, you have the bottom of a, a Whopper bun, uh, a patty of the Whopper, the cheese of a Whopper, the lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle. It's basically a full Whopper then. It's basically a full Whopper, <laughs> which is wrong. You don't want to do that, do you? I don't know. Exactly. The, the, but you have to have one Whopper patty and one Big Mac patty, right? So do the two, it's the beef, yeah, right? So you yeah, need the beef. Yeah. You need the special sauce. Damn, I really do like a Whopper more right? than I like it's a Big so Mac. Right, it's so much better. It really is. I it's mean, so I love much a Big better. Mac, but Whoppers are way better. Like the way they, I don't know what it is with their Big ketchup Macs, and mayonnaise. Big Macs are just more readily available. I, I think. guess so. Yeah, because there's a lot more McDonald's, at least in Singapore, a lot more McDonald's than there are Burger no, King. No, I think worldwide you can pretty much say that McDonald's trumps Big Macs in terms of locations. Yeah. See, look, McDonald's. What the hell is wrong with you? The Better Burger basically said, "Hey, let's 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 get together." Oh yeah, and then what did McDonald's say to Big to Whop, <sighs> to okay, fucking so Burger King? McDonald's responded onto um. The their uh, Facebook page saying, Dear Burger King, inspiration for a good cause, dot, dot, dot. Great idea. Again, like already, it starts off kind of like, you know, condescending. Yeah. But they go on to say, yeah, it's, 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 Great idea. Great idea. Okay. Imagine Ronald McDonald's being, saying these words. I, 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 for some reason, I, I imagine Ronald McDonald's voice to be Mickey Mouse's voice. Great idea. Great idea. <laughs> okay. We love the intention, but think our two brands could do something bigger to make a difference. Ooh. We commit to raise awareness worldwide. Perhaps you'll join us in a meaningful global effort? Question mark. Very vague. Doesn't quite say anything. There's no hard plan. The same way Burger King basically put out a fucking proposal. McDonald's just kind of responded with a vague, like, 
no, but we don't want to be so rude, so we're going to try say things. Okay, then they go on to say, and every day, let's acknowledge that between us, there's simply a friendly business competition and certainly not the unequal circumstances of the real pain and suffering of war. Youch. Ouch. <laughs> Come on, say CEO of McDonald's, Steve Easterbrook. That's kind of that's kind of harsh. That's like a bit of a burn. That's a bit of a diss right Oh, I there. didn't even see this P- but There's a postscript. Yeah. P.S. A simple phone call will do next time. Because yeah, Burger King went out and made a full-on campaign, right? Jeez, man. That's that's a bit of a that's a, I, I think like McDonald's is coming off a little bit of a dick in this situation. A little bit douchey. A little bit of a douchey, a, a douchey move. A I would say... Nice friendly thing. To, I didn't even... Did you know about Peace Day before this thing came around? I was aware of Peace Day only because of like what the UN does. What are they... I don't even no idea. I had no they, idea they what po- they thing. just... Their Facebook posts go way up during like around Peace Day. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah um, well, I never heard about it. And then, all right, and before they even did their thing, it already raised awareness to me. Like, I didn't know about it. So now it's a thing. And now I'm a yeah. So well, well, but, well, but see that thing. that awareness has been soured by McDonald's rejection. Well, let's see when they can come back because okay, okay, because also Big Mac was a little small time. They were thinking let's do let's sell McWhoppers in one area one time. Maybe McDonald's like nah, man, let's do McWhoppers worldwide. I want a McWhopper. I would eat the shit out of a McWhopper. Well, I don't know. They were they were just so vague. They were just said we commit to raise awareness worldwide. Perhaps you'll join us in a meaningful global effort. Like, what does yeah. that mean? But I I feel like this has. It, it it's so obviously a negative response mm. and people are so aware of that. Like it wasn't even like a, you know how McDonald's is always kind of like right down the middle, yeah. even if they're ad campaigns and everything. They they're just trying quite, to please everyone. Yeah. yeah. But with this response, it was kind of veering very much to the negative side. I'm pretty sure we're going to hear a response sooner or later of McDonald's trying to be the good guy again. I think they're going to have to because they're already getting negative PR from it. And also like even like pers- I personally experienced myself because I read this news last week, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this on Good Hang. And then I got to Nathan. I was like, hey, did you hear about the McWhopper? He's like, yeah, McDonald's said no. I was like, they said no? I, I literally heard his Aww. heart break. I heard John's <laughs> tiny little heart just it go like... It's terrible. It's sad. I mean, uh, well, I guess we can only dream yeah. the same way that we can only imagine about peace. Yeah. Imagine there's oh. no Whoppers... Or a Big Mac too. There's only one Big Burger. It's called a McWhopper. Imagine all McWhoppers living life in peace. a good damn burger yeah we can only imagine oh yes if uh, only john lennon was alive to see the mcwhopper <laughs> <laughs> well i mean from one depressing story uh to a proper depressing story <laughs> to a proper depressing but no but story. okay we have to talk about this i mean i hate i'm so tired of fucking people getting shot but we have to talk about it anyway because there are some really yes. interesting things okay to talk so about. if you if you noticed right in our previous uh, uh the last few news segments we've done we've tried to keep it light we've tried to keep it positive you know because sometimes we do talk about things that are a little bit heavy on the heart a little bit heavy on the mind um but even though this is a comedy podcast i think it's also important that we provoke thought and engage in a dialogue so you know if you if you do if if what well, if this following news story does hit you in any way uh reach out and that's us. what life is fuck off yeah talk to us about it don't <laughs> listen to john john's being very mean i don't know why he's being so mean but um uh just if, not, if, i'm just not an apologist for our content <laughs> uh so this happened in roanoke virginia mm-hmm. not too far from where i grew up yeah a gunman uh actually 
unfortunately uh, killed a news uh, news reporter and as well as the cameraman live on air. Okay, so the guy's name was Vester Flanagan, and he shot down Allison Parker and a cameraman Adam Ward live on air right in the morning in front of basically the entire country, and. Uh, well, most of the country. Well, it, well, after it went after it went viral, yeah. everyone, the whole world saw it. But well, like, no, it's just. But that's the thing is that it's a local affiliate, so it's like yeah. a small news story about a small community yeah. talking about tourism coming back and how this is a nice place. It's yeah. fucking terribly ironic because, like, yeah. I I'm, I bet some of you guys have seen it if you're a little bit morbid like me. But I watched it because I have a fascination about this kind of thing. And, and like, well, okay, the the unfortunate yeah. thing is not only was this broadcast live on air, but right after the shooting, uh, Vester Flanagan he ran away. And he, before he um, was able to do the, of course, murder-suicide thing, uh, he, he shot himself, of course. But before doing this, he posted the video of basically him gunning them down yeah, onto social media. Like a GoPro or something? But he had, like, like a camera that was right. His, that showed his POV. It was... F- like a first-person thing going pretty on. Pretty terrible. He, he shot down um, uh, the newscaster as well as the cameraman. And he posted a video of it on social media. And he killed himself shortly after. Um, which you know, I personally think, thank goodness for that. Um, but I, mm, I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Shit. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, yeah. So apparently there were claims about you know him being mistreated, uh, and he was oh he was fired a few weeks ago. So that was kind of the catalyst. Yeah. But you know, everyone at the station basically said that he was prone to uh, fits of anger. He was difficult to work with. He was very confrontational. Like if you read more about his backstory, you can tell that he's very emotionally and psychologically unstable. He basically yes. claimed that there was uh, that the reporter was racist and that because as well as um, a bit of a uh, homophobe because he was yeah, a gay he was, black he, man. He, he mentioned that he was a homosexual and and then somehow he tied this into revenge for the shootings in Charleston. So it, it's just a crazy story. But mm. there's a couple of things that I want to take away that I kind of want to talk about here. Yeah. Because when something like this happens, there's usually another thing that happens, which is conspiracy theories. Have you okay. read about the conspiracy theories about this? Uh, I tend not to, just because it's it's conspiracy theories for the most part. They're just entertainment, you know. Yeah. They're they're unfortunate entertainment built up on unfortunate circumstances, and I just don't want to think about that kind of shit. I mean, there's tons of this stuff though, but it's there's tons of because I find the idea of conspiracy theories fascinating. Because when I was a younger mm-hmm, kid, mm-hmm. like. I mean, why do conspiracy theories happen? Why do people think JFK was not killed by a lone gunman? Why does people? Why do people think that we didn't land on the moon? Why do people think that 9-11 was an inside job? Because it's easier to think of a complex story behind some in a very simple evil or yes. stupidity. Yeah. So it's hard. Like the most powerful person in the world in the 1960s was JFK, and it's hard for you to process that this one amazing man can be taken down by one Random sad dude. communist. Yeah. Instead, there was like a whole thing. So people are talking about with the shooting that that it was staged. That um, like the shoot. If you watch the video closely, he gets, she gets shot, but she still runs away, and all this nonsense. There were actors playing the boyfriend, blah blah, all this stuff, and it's just. It's people just, you know, I can't blame them. They're it's, just trying to make sense of it. It's entertainment. It's basically I they have. I say it's entertainment. Basically, they have, no, no, I, here's what I think. They have the big hottest news story going on, and mm. basically, there's a, just a bunch of people that want to have clicks on their YouTube channel or their blog or whatever. So they post up, you know, like huge theories, and they make the headline. But the problem is, is that they believe it. 
the people who post it, I think they believe it because uh, they have maybe, that mindset. Maybe, maybe. Some of them might believe it. Some of them might literally just be writing fan fiction for the hell of getting clicks. And that kind of um, gets me a little bit annoyed because this is unfor- an, a really unfortunate thing that happened, a very random act of violence that took away a life. The newscaster, by the way, Alison Parker, she was 24 years 24 old. 24 years old. That is way too young to be gunned down. Recently engaged. Uh, yeah, recently yeah. engaged to a fellow new ca- newscaster. Like, literally recently, like a couple days ago. Mm. And it's just an unfortunate thing that happened. And here's the thing. I think we've been seeing such a slew of, like, you know, um, news stories about shootings coming in. And I think once that can of worms have been opened, once people see that, oh, this is a thing that you can do, this is a way to get mentioned on the news, this is something that, get, that gets glorified for a couple of weeks or months. Like, once you open that can of worms, you know, it just keeps crawling out. These people just start crawling out of the woodwork and you see more and more stories come out like this. And I hate that that's happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I hate that people are finally going like, oh, they can do that. You can do that. You can bring a gun into a cinema and gun and shoot people down. You can bring a gun into a school and shoot it down. And now, of course, oh, you can shoot a person live on news. I'm, I really don't want to see more stories similar to this come out in the next few weeks. But unfortunately, something in my gut tells me we're going to see more things like this happen where we see people get gunned down live on air because, you know, this guy kind of opened up that door showing that, hey, this isn't just something that happens in your imagination. Look, I'm going to do it. It's disgusting. It's nightmarish. It's honestly repulsive. And it, and it shows a side of humanity that I'm just not comfortable delving into the psychology of. Yep. But I, I just hope that, you know, more people see it this way than see it in a way of going like, oh, that's something you can do. I'm going to look into doing that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I mean, there's tons of ways that you can you can connect that to. I mean, you could say that Virginia Tech happened because of Columbine. Columbine was the one that enabled thing. You can, this is getting a little crazy, but you can even say that um, all the assassinations are down to John Wilkes Booth, which, by the way, is kind of the the premise behind the amazing musical Assassins by Stephen Sondheim. Just a little sidebar. Mm-hmm. Great musical. Anyway. But there's a lot of factors at work here. I mean, there's the human element, there's the social element, there's the government, there's all these yeah. things. It's not a simple topic, and it, there's, it's, just, it's, it's definitely sad. But, but will you agree that if, say, um, the same people were involved in this, say, 30 years ago, that the, the thought of gunning down someone live on TV wouldn't even have entered Vester Flanagan's mind? Would you agree with that? Like, maybe. I don't know. A higher I mean, likelihood, at least. That yeah. the thought would not even have occurred to him to get a gun and gun her his co-anchor live on TV. If it wasn't for all the shootings that happened recently? Yes. Because yeah. I think that's a I don't huge know. contributing factor. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just don't know. Like, there is a movie called Network where there was a shooting on air. That was a big famous movie and that didn't seem to really promote anything. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, all I know is that none of this would have been happened if it's just it would, if it would just be a little bit harder to get guns in america like now we're going to go into gun control which is you know i guess most of our listeners are not super in tune with it it's not super controversial one of our listeners but it's a huge hot button topic in america and Mm -hmm. i don't know why it is because stop giving guns to people (laughs) as as much you know what i mean it's it's a fairly simple topic it's a fairly simple problem to solve but you know because you know how americans are and they're touchy by the constitution yeah i mean just watch that jim jeffrey sketch on gun control it's great but i just in my research for this um of this topic, I came across this wonderful quote by this on Twitter by this man named Dan Hodges, who I believe is a writer. Mm-hmm. He said, In retrospect, Sandy Hook marked the end of the U.S. gun control debate. Once America decided killing children was, um, was bearable, it was over. 
That fucking depresses the shit out of me. Mm. It's totally true. How can you gun down 20 plus kids and then just have it be okay? That the, I, go, the government can't. I mean, Obama's trying. He's trying his ass off. I was actually in Boston at the time, and um, mm. uh, the town of Newtown isn't very far away from Boston. Connecticut, yeah. And it was, it did pop up in the news as a developing story. I remember this very clearly. I was um, in a Chipotle, actually, getting some lunch. And everyone's eyes are on the TV, and I was like, what's everyone watching? And I see this helicopter footage, and it just says Newtown shooting Hmm. um, at a school. Very vague at the time, so a developing story. It was was heavy, man. I did not enjoy my burrito that day, in more ways than one. I just did not enjoy my burrito. Shout out to Nerdist. Nerdist. Uh, But... um, him man i mean it's 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 definitely a touchy topic to talk about and i don't even think us talking about this right here can you know because yeah, we're, we're not experts i mean yeah I, I, it, it can't fix anything but the the most i can hope well i didn't think we're ever gonna fix anything but yeah, i'm yeah. just saying like i don't even know if we're like <laughs> it, properly it, analyzing yeah. properly breaking it down okay well the most i can hope is that by us talking about is opening a dialogue you guys understand that these things happen in the world and that they should not be happening anymore and you will not perpetuate the notion of, you know, the possibilities of, the, of these things even happening. Just, you know, I, I think most of our listeners are logical, sound-minded human beings that will agree that things like this are just beyond human imagination. You know, things like this that happen are just, they're nightmares. They're the things that you... You, you dream about and you just go like, that is terrible. I want to wake up and never go back to sleep. And uh, yeah, it, I will say this though. It's in the news. I will say this. Though. This is like, it's kind of like, kind of similar to what you're saying that this kind of opened up something. This is like fucking, it's not so much that he killed them on air, which was terrible. And, and but the fact that he videotaped, like this is like murder 2.0. The fact that you can shoot someone wrist element to this yeah you can shoot someone and record it and then post it on your social media that's fucked up i think that's a that that's that was my main concern that was like my concern is that did he open a door here did he open a door that i just i i never wanted open Mm. you know like i i i don't want to see more of these things pop up on social media you know like i know he like they probably took that video down but it's the internet, you know. Everything lives on the no, it's internet. There. It's there. You'll find it. It's there, uh, please, guys. Uh, if you are curious about the story, look into it. But I, I advise you do not look up for the videos. Uh, they are not fun to watch. Eh, are... If if you if you want to look it, you'll find it. But you do whatever you want to do. But like it is kind of yeah. Eh. I, I I thought I was curious about it. I clicked on it and then I literally closed it before it even happened. No, I, I, I watched all the footage, but I, I will say this: that there is something about something to be said about becoming being an artist and looking at this stuff because our job as artists is to look at all parts of humanity and help others understand it and deal with it. Mm. So you know, I try not to be scared of this kind of stuff. I mean, it is horrible, but it's not yeah. so much that's going to physically harm me or psychologically harm me. I can deal with it. Mm. But yeah, it's it's out there. <laughs> You can watch it. I just hate it so old that we live in, man. Yeah, me too. Sometimes. Well, speaking about artists. <laughs> well, I guess we can slowly segue out of that depressing ass news story and talk about a. We very... should have done the McWhopper second. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, talk about a very special man. Talk about a very very special man. Um, at what is arguably a sham of a award ceremony. <laughs> oh my god. This <laughs> so, guy lives in a life that is art. So um, at the Video Music Awards, um, none other than Kanye West, who not too long ago, you know, made headlines, you know, interrupting Taylor Swift. <laughs> and I, I, I think he goes to these award shows with these kind of like planned out and meted out like, oh, how am I going to make the headlines today? I can't just sit in the audience quietly and appreciate the show. 
I got to do something. Uh, so if you guys watched the VMAs, there was a moment where uh, Kanye won um, some kind of achievement award. The Michael Jackson Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, is it called the Michael Jackson Achievement yes. Award? Yes. Okay, he won that. The Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award. Uh, and very aptly um, presented by Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift presented the award to him, and he... He, followed, he, he followed went up with a... He went on like an eight-minute-long tirade of just nonsense, yeah. culminating with him saying, you yes. think I'm on drugs? And basically, yeah, I smoke something. And then he came out with this little peach of a comment. And yes, as you probably could have guessed by this moment, I have decided in 2020 to run for president. <laughs> oh my god, Kanye 2020. Yes, we can. Uh-huh. Yeah, yes, we Kanye. Yes, we Kanye. I'm, I'm copywriting that. Fucking, you can't take that, Kanye. Yes, we Kanye. I will bet if you all the money in the world right now. If you try to go to yeswekanye.com, it's it's, it's I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna buy that website. I'm gonna camp on it. Someone's bought it already. I guarantee you. Yes, um, we Kanye. I guarantee com. someone's already bought it. So I guarantee you that Kanye's going to run as a Democrat. There's no way he doesn't. So that means in 2020, we could totally see Kanye versus Donald Trump for the presidency <laughs> of America. What the shit? That's going to be amazing. Yes, we Kanye totally still available. Should we buy it? Oh, you should. I, I don't want any slice of that pie, but go for it. <laughs> um, you could potentially be making like hundreds of thousands of dollars, man. Ones of dollars. <laughs> Um, but holy shit, that would actually be a reality show. <laughs> Kanye versus Trump, 2020. Oh god, they should just have fight to the death and then celebrity death hopefully match. Hopefully, they, they kill each other and then the world would be like less crazy. Okay, well, okay. What do you think about the world that we live in, the social media age that we live in today, where he would even find the audacity to say something like this and yeah. be taken seriously. Yeah, I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, I, I just don't know what's going through. Because he's obviously not going to run for president of America. Uh, that said, I could have said that about Donald Trump. Yes. You don't know for sure. I don't well, know, okay. man. He's not making it past New Hampshire, that's for sure. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, I, I, I do love me some Kanye. He puts, mm-hmm. up a, he puts up a good album, man. He puts up a good album. I personally think he's a great producer. He's a great writer. Um, and yes, he is a huge personality, um, and sometimes that personality takes over his art. Most times it does, actually. But all things aside, he's good at his job. He's sure. a good musician. Sure. He's a good producer. He's a good writer. Um, and that guy can talk. <laughs> Have you seen him on interviews and talk shows? He can go on forever. It's almost fascinating. Not really. Like, like I don't like I've been I think I stopped listening to music around the time Kanye West came out basically okay. so I couldn't even mention like I just ugh. I will say though that looking at this VMA video man Kim Kardashian really does have a big butt That's, it's it's sizable you could rest a drink on that thing no but I I personally I I enjoy Kanye's music Graduation sure. is a great album sure um Eight Oh Eight and Heartbreaks great album as well um he 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 is a very forward thinking musician he's a character too he, he is a character yeah but um, he does not have my vote hillary all the way <laughs> not that i could vote anyway yeah um i don't know what to think about this i guess this is just the time we live in you know a it's, time it, where i mean the fact that fucking okay i mean just look at the fact that donald trump can be a serious contender for president is crazy yeah you can even go back to the fact that arnold schwarzenegger could be like a governor of 
California is crazy. It's just crazy. But this has to be a publicity thing. Right? Not that he needs it, but I this think has just to be. Kanye like, being Kanye, I, man. I think Kanye has like a, a book of dates and he just goes like, when was the last time I headlined the news? Ah, oh, it's, it's, it's been a while. I should probably do yeah, something. Keep it up. Gotta yeah. keep it up. Yeah. Like Donald Trump is stealing all my limelight. I gotta do something. When's my next event? Let me see. And uh, there it is. Oh, VMAs. Okay, I should. Oh, what's coming up? Elections? I should I should probably announce I'm running for president. You know, yeah, that should get me in the headlines again. Because <laughs> yes, the last yes, time he was. Kanye. The last time he was into headlines, he was at some music festival, um, basically shouting out, I am a god. <laughs> yeah. That was, what a weirdo. <laughs> that was his last headline making news. So yeah, I, I guess weirdo. I guess we were due for more Kanyeisms. I can't wow. wait for more. Can't, I can't wait to see what he has up his sleeve. Can't wait for more. Kanye for more. That so like bad. I don't know which of our three new artist articles was the most depressing. Someone getting shot on camera, McWaber not being a real thing, and Kanye winning for it. It's a, it's a crazy time. It is a crazy time. <laughs> All right, now is the time to talk about uh, what you've been up to. I oh yeah, sorry, sorry, I pushed this segment. Way oh, back. who cares? <laughs> I, I forget. I'm I'm growing old. When you see your bud and wanna know what's new, you just gotta ask. Hey, what buddy, what you been up to? All right. Oh, it's gonna be a short one this week, huh? What, what do you have to talk about this week, Nathan? Anything? Yeah, man. So as we record this, um, I just came back from Indonesia earlier today. Um, I was there over the weekend and had a gig. Um, had a TV gig over there, which was nice and fun. Uh, did a uh, live show for this channel called TVRI. Um, it's like one of their main um, network television stations. It's been around for ages, and I performed for their 53rd anniversary concert. Ooh. Yeah, live wow. on TV. It was really, it was really 53rd cool. Fifty third anniversary. Yeah, 53rd. it's a random year. I mean, why even celebrate? They just celebrate every year. They celebrate every year. Yeah. Like you think they would have stopped at the one three years ago. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Yeah, yeah. So what did you do? You sang a couple songs. Yeah, like, sang a bunch Bahasa? of songs. Sang a bunch of songs in that Bahasa. So okay, mm-hmm. um, if you guys don't know, my Indonesian is not the best. I don't have a great grasp on the language, um, but I've been working on it. I've been working on my pronunciations on like the way I sing in Bahasa. And this show is probably one of the hardest ones so far, only because I had a total of four songs to sing mm. in completely in Bahasa. Yeah. You know, usually the shows that I do over there, it's like one song, two songs. And they usually, because um, like the people that I work with there understand that my Bahasa isn't super proficient. So they give me one song in English, one song in Bahasa. Well, now the they wanted to challenge you this time. Well, this time only because it was on like a network station mm-hmm. um, with a lot of... Um, uh, you know, eyes on it, basically. Yeah. They wanted to go for all Indonesian. All Indonesian, all the time. I'll let you do that first. <laughs> I don't really care. No, I, I probably might even switch back. Fine, so I just want to try. I just want to see the difference. Yeah, so um, that was that was really fun. It, it's been a while since I've done Indonesian TV. Um <laughs> So yeah, that was really fun. It's been a while since I've done a uh, TV show in Indonesia. Uh, the first one I did, I think, was like back in 2011 or mm-hmm. 2010. I can't remember, to be honest. But um, man, it's it's a weird thing. I still remember the very first time um, I was on TV in Indonesia. Um, it was a trippiest experience. It was back then I was, I was um, fairly new 
to the Indonesian scene. Sure. I just performed, you know, in some like private events here and there. And all of a sudden they gave me my first TV gig. It was for a TV show called Dasyat, which is basically like a uh, uh, like their version of MTV's TRL. So like all yeah, I think this I think it's like a variety show, right? Well, it's 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 dedicated to music, but it's a chart show, something like TRL, like a chart uh, but show. It, and it is targeted at the younger age group. Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna say because like variety show, like the other show you were describing, is really big in the Philippines of just like actors, not even not even musicians, but actors coming together and singing and dancing. It's huge in the Philippines. Is that the same thing in Indonesia? Very similar, yeah. very similar. Figured. Yeah, but the very first TV show I did there was called Dasyat, and it's one of the most highly watched music programs in Indonesia, and it just. Like, I remember the first time I was on that show, okay? So it, it happens in the morning. I went up on air around like 9.15, 9.20. It's bright and early in the morning. And uh, before I left, right, before I left that room, I had about 800 followers on Twitter, you know? <laughs> and then I went up on TV, did the show, came back, and my phone was literally just, like, hot. <laughs> my phone was, like, burning hot. And it was a Blackberry. It was kind of a shitty little thing. But it was burning hot. And I could barely even use it because, like, notifications kept coming in. I had gone from, like, 800 to, like, 5,000 followers. Damn, son. In, like, a span of five minutes. In one song. And it blew my mind. And it just opened up my mind to just how receptive the Indonesian audience is. Just how open they are to, like, new content, new performers, new artists. It's it's a crazy music scene over there, man. I really love it there. Um, it's always an eye-opening experience. Every time I go, got to visit some friends, hang out a little bit. Honestly, got a bit drunk again. <laughs> but but I, I, I controlled it very well this time. I did not get... I didn't pass out. I just got a little bit tipsy and I... I, I I was I was able to you walk. Ke- you kept it back. in the fun zone. Kept it in. Well, for me, it's not really fun zone. It's more sleepy, quiet zone. You kept it in the sleepy, quiet zone. Stepped in. I kept it in the sleepy, quiet zone. Right. So yeah, that was my weekend performing, and uh, getting. So a what, what songs did you do? <laughs> like you know, I don't know. I was like, can you give us a little example here live and? Um, I, I I did two singles that I had released over there. Um, over the oh, course so you did original songs. Um, well, no, no. Uh, oh. They I I don't write in Indonesian. I don't know. It's just uh, songs by the people. This is and how much I pay attention to your career. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, okay. That that's a weird thing though, because um, the I I do go to Indonesia fairly often to sing and you know perform and things like that, but. Honestly, a part of me feels very Hannah Montana about it. <laughs> like very, um, you know, like it's almost like a separate life. Mm. Because a lot of what goes on in the, in the, in the Indonesian music, that's a hard sentence in, to say. Indonesia, in, you gotta, like, in the Indonesian that. music industry. In the, in the, in the, you can get stuck. Like, in, the, in, the, in the Indonesian music. <laughs> yeah. In the Indonesian music industry, things are kind of, um, it, it stays within Indonesia quite often. And it doesn't quite reach out to Singapore. Right. Uh, like parts of it do but not the mainstream in general um, and so every time I go there it feels like a very contained experience I mean of course I do like post on my social media and whatever but it really feels like I'm living a double life it's quite interesting no I get that I do experience the same thing in Taiwan as well um, well Taiwan not really I just go there to visit right. um, but when I perform in Indonesia and I perform here it really feels like it's like Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Who's the real one? I don't know. It's the best of both worlds. And Man, I if you're going to end up like Miley Cyrus, I support this then. <laughs> I want to see you on a wrecking ball. I love Miley Cyrus. I used to like kind of think she was an attention whore, but it's really come to my attention that she does not give a fuck. Yeah, like that is literally her like that's what she is trying to convey. That you can pay as much attention to me as you want, but I literally do not give sh- yeah. Any shit. I also think she's kind of her psyche's kind of broken as a person. 
That might eh. be true. That might be true. But a that's judgy, though. A little judgy. That's another. That's for another a whole day. different kettle of fish. Yeah. So what you been up to, Jean? Yeah, actually, on that whole music uh, kick, I haven't been uh, making music so much as I've been watching music. I saw always a good thing. Yeah. On Friday night, I went to our buddy, our friend, you and my Lyndon Charles's launch. Lyndon Charles. That's weird, right? Lyndon Charles with an apostrophe at the end. Lyndon Charles. When something ends with an S, you gotta put the apostrophe after. Lyndon Charles's, yeah. Yeah, Lyndon Charles. Whatever, his name's Lyndon Fresnel. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we went to Lyndon's uh, EP launch, which you had a hand in, right? You you helped him out with some of the music on that? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because you, I forgot, I, I have your copy, but I forgot it at home. Anyway, because uh, we you and I both get little special thank yous on the inside cover. Because I helped him with some lyrics, which didn't make it to the thing. But I was a sounding board, and I gave him, I listened to his mopiness about wow this album came together yeah yeah but yeah so i watched that that was a really fun launch got to see some friends there and then just uh yesterday uh or sunday i got to see this filipino band in town called up dharma down up dharma down up dharma down, 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 down. they're not a country man <laughs> see, see a country ex- filipino yeah band. To- oh god that would be the worst thing ever that'd be amazing what are you talking about ikaw ang mahal ko Okay, so here's the thing. They're an electro like pop band, right? Okay. So there are four piece. There's a, a lead singer girl who also plays keyboards, a percussionist who also plays like the synthesizer electro thing, and a bass player who also plays the computer thing. And the girls that play the girls that play keyboards in bands are usually so hot. Yeah, she's cute. I don't know I if it's because they're just like surrounded by like sweaty dudes, but Maybe. something about them, I don't know, like they're always so attractive. But I, I will say this though about that. Great band, great songs, great music. And yeah, she's very attractive and cute, but like uh, a little lacking in the, in the stage presence side. Mm. Maybe it's because like, it's so funny. Like my thing, I was like, I was watching this band and they were making their, they were doing the music thing and they were doing their electro stuff. And I'm just like, it looks like people are just trying to repair some kind of cable box because <laughs> they're just like twiddling dials and yeah, c- yeah. cutting hooks. And I'm like, it's just so funny. Yeah. And then when it came to crowd interaction, they were like so shy. They were like, they were like, I think they were genuinely surprised to see so many people who came out because the place was packed. There was like about 800 people there in like this little small venue. How many Filipinos? All Filipinos. All Filipinos. Yes. And they still couldn't like Filipinoize it up? Oh, Fili- they did? No, no, no. Filipinoize it up? They did. They spoke in Tagalog a lot of times and oh. there's, like half their songs were in Tagalog. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming. That's exactly what they sounded like. For real? No. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> but they were sorry, no, sorry Filipinos. But I just, I'm just, just telling me the. Nathan, what are they doing when they're twiddling with all their fucking shits? Like, what is they? What are they doing? Okay, well, basically, they're doing what David Guetta isn't doing. Right. All Which, the electronic stuff, they're not just pressing play. They're actually adjusting and high passing and low passing and doing all those filtering and all the new image, like the all the audio imaging that you hear. Yeah. Like all like the all that stuff. They're doing it live. That's why so they need like, to be they like, have oh, to take they turn the dial and it changes the pitch and or the sound something like that they're oh, basically doing it live something like how Disclosure Disclosure does all their um, sampling and looping and all that um, stuff live um, but David Guetta he just presses, presses play. play and just stands there and claps yeah. well no, no but he, he does make the music beforehand but it he would. has but he has said many times before that he has he has very bad stage fright mm. so he cannot do all that processing live Makes so, sense. Yeah, so all he does is he just presses play. Um, but, but it is just yeah. so funny. Did you see them furiously twiddling and thing? I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> it just yeah. looks like they're techs, like <laughs> fixing stuff on stage. I don't know, man. Like, um, I have seen a bunch of shows um, from s- similar music genres, like the whole electro, like the. the uh-uh. that, that kind of thing going yeah. on. And a lot of these names are fairly new. I remember I went to like, the Laneway Festival um, last year. 
last year, this year? I can't remember when. I went for Laneway. Mm. Um, and I watched a bunch of performers. You know, there were a whole bunch of really interesting acts. Um, but I realized that as big as those names were, you know, they were hot on, hot on social media, hot on YouTube and all those things, new artists, I think Banks as well as FKA Twigs, something like that, they make great music. But a lot of them just don't quite know how to sell a performance. Yeah. They just stand there and awkwardly sing, and they sell the whole thing. Like, yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm so, I'm so quirky and introverted. And, uh, <laughs> uh, hi, hi, guys. And thank you for coming. And then they do their whole, like, poof. That's kind of that's kind of what my creatures is like. Yeah. It feels right inside. And I think performance is a lot about giving. And I'm yeah. sure you appreciate that as well, being Absolutely. Like a, a theater actor, improver. Absolutely. Performance is about giving. And every time I see these kind of like new acts coming up, it's it's very introverted. And you know, the, there is something to watching someone be vulnerable and very uh, introverted on stage. But for the most part, you got to give to the audience. And a lot of these acts that I watch don't do that very often. You, it's got to be fearless. you got to be in the moment. And that's, that's what makes it... Uh, impossible not to watch like i think a uh, lot of it just comes with experience like man. yeah totally totally yeah. and just just the kind of artist you are like it's it's interesting like you watch um all right there's two there's let me talk about two bands real quick yeah uh, you know the you know the group churches yeah so it's like they do the, like they're they're also kind of lecture yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. but it's so funny because i watched them when they were here and i'm like this sounds exactly what it sounds like on the album mm. right and yeah. i was i couldn't get into it as much i mean it was still a fun night it was a good concert yeah yeah and then you know Explosions in the Sky? Yes. So they're like a four-piece all-guitar doing crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. So theirs doesn't sound exactly... It's pretty close, though. Like, not yeah. exactly what the album sounds like. But not... But a, more or less, it's the same. Like, they do the same thing. But they're so fucking in the performance, losing yes. it, sweating their balls off, that yeah. when you watch them live, it, it's transformative. They give. They really Absolutely. do give. Well, I, I can tell you the immediate difference behind that is because a band like Churches, they're playing hits, they're playing songs, they're selling lyrics sure. and hooks. So they want to make sure... Well, okay. So I don't know. How big is Churches? Like four or five three, piece band? Three piece. Three piece. Okay. So, With a lot of different computers. Yeah. So they have a three piece band, but for the most part, they have a programmed track. Yeah. And that programmed track um, happens in the background while, you know, they complement it with a bass, a drum, mm. or a vocal, dr- a guitar, whatever. But for the most part, what you're hearing, all the background vocals, all the effects, all the reverbs and the echoes and the little, like, um, like all those weird artifacts that you hear in the record... They're basically just duplicated onto a track and played live on stage. Yeah. Um, so what you're hearing is basically a replication of that. Yeah, so it's basically just the album. Yeah, more or less. Um, whereas a band like Explosions in the Sky, they're creating the music from scratch for you live. Yeah. You know, very similar to what, you know, the band Happy Dharma Up Down. Up Dharma Down, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what we're doing. So they're creating all the sounds for you live. And, you know, it, it's it's really, it, it, it becomes a transcendent experience not just for the performers uh, not just for the, the the audience but for the performers as well because they're creating something new in that moment right. I, I get those chills when I watch bands like that yep. or bands like uh, Snarky Puppy bands like uh, um, uh, the freaking Parliament George uh, I was going to say George Lopez <laughs> yeah. like George Clinton in the Parliament of Funk um, it's just I love it when they're creating music organically, right. you know. I mean, of course, there is um, a, a lot of merit given to performers that use tracks. You have to learn how to play on tempo. Yeah. You cannot, you know, go strictly by feel. You need to practice with a click and things like that. And it does add a lot to the performance. Mm. But something about just making it from scratch live in front of the perfor- uh, in front of the audience's ears, something about that just, that's magic. It's a live experience, man. man. And, yeah. man, we are on a segue... 
roll today because now it is time to talk about our favorite thing. Favorite thing. Favorite So, John, what is our favorite thing this week? This week, we are talking about favorite thing, favorite concert going experience. Mm-mm-mm. So, Nathan, you do a lot of concerts, but what what is your favorite concert that you've been to and why? Who was it? Do you remember? Do you, do you have one? Oh, yes. Can you talk about one? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, I, I, have a, I have a couple. Okay, so I want to preface this with saying, with, with a confession. I don't go to that many live shows. Not as much as I should, to be honest. And... I think a lot of it, it's it's not quite laziness. A lot of it is just like a social aspect. Like <laughs> I just don't like I, I find music to be a very personal enjoyment and something that I enjoy just kind of like in a car mm. or like on a commute or in my room or on my laptop, whatever. And uh, the, the, like a weird tick in my brain just doesn't want to experience that with like fifty thousand screaming people. <laughs> That's like, totally fair. Like bitch, don't kill my vibe. <laughs> something like that, but. Then I go to a concert and then I realize like oh like this is a magical experience. I'm I'm sharing this with 50,000 people. Absolutely. They're not killing my vibe. They are those bitches are making my vibe very much stronger. Mm. And but still <laughs> it doesn't stop me from still not going to that many live shows. But it does heighten the experience. So every time I do go for a live show, it's always a magical experience. I learn so much. I take so much from just like observing. Mm-hmm. And finding out, oh, how are they doing this? How are they doing that? Like, what are they, what are they doing to create that sound? So every concert experience for me is just like a a masterclass, really. Whether it be good or bad, you know, I learn something anyway. <laughs> so one of the uh, most memorable concert going experiences for me happened when I was very much a kitty kid kid. I want to pull a year for you right now, but I cannot remember it. Mm-hmm. But I do have a time frame of reference because. The year of this concert was the same year that WWE debuted the Elimination Chamber. Okay. <laughs> I remember this very clearly because right after the concert, I went home and I watched it. But I remember it happened around the end or the beginning of the year. It was like around New Year's because it was during their pay-per-view New Year's Revolution. Okay. And it was the very first Elimination Chamber. John, help me look that up. <laughs> I can't remember the year, but I was a little young. And I think I was um, primary, no, like primary five, primary six or secondary one. I was much younger. It was one of my first concert-going experiences. It was a rock and roll concert, and it was the one and only Red Hot Chili Peppers live at the Singapore Indoor Stadium. Yeah, so uh, John's looking it up. It's a bit weird because uh, I, I used to be a wrestling geek. So um, the very first Elimination Chamber was created by Triple H and introduced by Eric Bischoff in November 2012. Yeah. No, sorry, 2002. 2002. 2002. So that was when I watched this concert. How old was I in 2002? Jeez. I think I did the math thing again. Is there a seven involved? I don't know. <laughs> 2002. Okay, now it's 2015. That means 13 years, 13, 1, 2. I was 11 years old. 11 I'm, years old. It's that you went backwards instead of just going from... Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I was 11 years old when I watched this concert, and it just changed my life. It who'd was... You, who'd you go... 11 years old going to the Chili Peppers. Wow. Red Hot Chili Peppers. It just blew my mind. And who, like, who'd you be, go with? Did you go with like, your parents? I went with my brother. Ah, I went with my brother. That would have made him 14 years old, which is like a good time to go to a rock concert, I think. So he was probably the one that went there to really like, you know, have that rep. Right. You know? I was going there out of curiosity. I knew very little songs from them. I only knew... Uh, Californication and By The Way. This was around a time when they released their By The Way album. 
So when you stand in the line and see the show tonight, that song, um, and and can't stop, can't stop, like I love the baseline, yeah. Um, but yes, that concert experience changed my life. I I don't think I could quite compute everything that was going on at the time because I was 11 years old. You yeah, know, I don't. I don't. Crazy that the Chili Peppers were in yeah. Asia at the time because that that was at like the height of their powers. I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Well, it it was before it was before I understood like my. My, my passion for music. You know, mm. I, I liked music, but I didn't know that it was going to be a thing that I was going to be doing well into my 20s, <laughs> you know. It was just... Oh, I think that, that night planted a seed in me, man. Like, watching those guys perform on stage, like, having a wild and out time, just having the time of their lives, giving every... Like... They, they were drenched. By the end of the show, like the, the floor was just covered in their sweat. Their socks were just covered. Yeah. Their plain white socks were covered in sweat. They gave everything <laughs> they had that night, and I felt every ounce of energy. And something about that just made me go like, fucking A, man. That's, I want to find myself up on that stage at some point. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. And look at you. You're well on your way doing that. Well on my way in doing that. Also, side note, by the way, it was the very first album that I really, really listened to. Do you remember like mean? like okay like okay remember there was a time when you listened to like kid songs like you know like kid, like kid show theme songs and sure. then there was like that transition and then you went from that transition to re- listening to like real music or like what you dubbed to be yeah. cool music whatever it was I remember my transition was Lou Bega <laughs> and after Lou Bega Mambo number five Mambo number five Fuck. <laughs> so right after Lou Bega it was the awkward transition from that to like boy bands right after boy bands it was Red Hot Chili Peppers mm-hmm. for some reason and their album was probably the first album that I really listened to it was no longer just about lyrics it was no longer just about like you know oh I really like that chorus like uh, when you're looking like that or like bye 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 yeah it was no longer about that it was about how are they making the sound like uh, like the bass is coming in here the guitar's doing this the piano's doing I'm that I'm gonna say like what you experience I don't think it's very common I think this is a very musician the musician part of you really coming to life but I was literally like 11 going on 12 and I listened to that CD on my disc man on mm. loop <laughs> I can I it got to the point where um I, di- I didn't shuffle it because I didn't like to shuffle CDs yeah. but I would memorize like the song order of the album like I knew every song by heart I knew the arrangements and I didn't quite understand how they were doing all these things because at the time I didn't play a single instrument but it fascinated me to no end <laughs> that concert really did something to me man yeah clearly what what was your favorite concert oh, experience for me oh, I have a couple of contenders because I've, I've gone to a decent amount of concerts in my time and when you lived in uh, in my time in my days in, when you lived in New York and LA there's always musicians coming through so much so I will say that my uh, one honorable mention I'm going to give is a John Mayer concert I watched at Madison Square Garden oh jeez which just floored me it was unbelievable the, this was in 2000 either 2006 or 2007 I just heard all the all our female listeners go like so this is the Continuum Tour. It was unbelievable. I was just floored after this concert. And the highlight was... His best album. Not the highlight, but the, for some reason, the yeah, definitely the best album. It was all downhill after that. Um, eh. The highlight was that um, Alicia Keys came on to sing at the during the encore. Which song? Uh, was it Gravity? Gravity. It was Gravity. It's cool because um, John Mayer is particularly friendly to bootlegging. So this concert, it's out there. I think I have it on my iPhone or somewhere. I have it. Yeah, Madison Square Garden, whatever. It's such a great concert, but that was not my favorite concert. My favorite concert-going experience of all time was Damien Rice. Ooh, 
similar singer-songwriter type from Ireland. Like I said, the Irish know love best. Yeah. This was in 2006 at the Beacon Theater in New York. And not even the whole concert, but there was a moment. One song, really, that really was one thing I will remember for the rest of my life. I can't take my eyes off of you. Yes, that's the Blower's Daughter. I can't take my eyes off of you. Like, and he sings it like this at the concert. Like, oh, it's probably going to be go down as the greatest album of all time. Such a good album. Yeah. Okay, so he's playing to this con, he's playing to this stage, this theater. A couple hundred people there, maybe just over a thousand. And people are going crazy. They're all diehard Damien Rice fans. It's going great. It's going great. Mm -hmm. Oh, just a slight sidebar. Guess who opened for him? Who? Glenn Hansard, Marketa Aglova. Oh, shit. At the time, no one fucking knew who they were. I'm sure I was. No one knew who they were. To the point that someone shouted out, Who are you? (laughs) And Glenn was like, Oh, my name's Glenn. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's when they shout, Who are you? They want to know who you are. Exactly. As opposed to like, Who are you? Yeah, exactly. And they played all the songs from once, but before anyone knew it. So, like, my experience, my exposure to the music of of the swell season and once was live in person and not knowing what the fuck was happening. It was great. So that was great. That already, that was amazing. But okay, the one going back to Damien Rice. So he's in this uh, theater, thousands of people yelling, screaming, going nuts. It's a great concert. Uh, Lisa Hannigan was still part of the the duo and it was Mm -hmm. wonderful. And then out of nowhere, just the band kind of leaves the stage. This is about halfway through the set. And he just comes forward, unplugs his guitar, steps away from the microphone, comes downstage, starts strumming. And this, like, the Beacon Theater is pretty big. I probably see it's about a thousand, maybe just a little bit more. Yeah. And, like, he starts strumming, unplugged, on microphone, and starts singing Cannonball. And everyone when was... You float like a that song. And, like, bo- at first bo- everyone bo- was cheering bo- and then, and, and like, and going for it. But then, like, every, then they realized if we do that, we can't hear it. And all of a sudden, just everyone was just pitch silent, perfectly silent, just listening to this guy in this huge room play this song on mic and unplugged and it whoa, talk about being changed that's the one moment I will never forget the rest of my life mm. oh god it was so it was so good something just occurred to me I, I, mean, I, I don't want to kill this beautiful moment but Adam Sandler would make a good Damien Rice yeah well that's how you were singing don't taught me to fly love taught me to lie. that's a pretty good Adam Sandler <laughs> oh yeah I mean um, I have heard Mythical stories about Damien Rice concerts. He, he, his he, live, I've seen him a couple times. It's he, so he, he came to Singapore a couple of years ago, and like I remember reading the 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 Straits Times review of it the next day, mm-hmm. and it was literally it just the the concert reviewer just said like the whole theater was in tears, including him. Yeah, definitely possible. I I, I love his music, man. Like his latest album, even like he just he, I think he really, as a musician, he really appreciates the art of less is more yeah and you can tell that from the way he almost too much so i i love it and, and like how, the fact, the fact the that he's come out with three albums in like 12 years yeah. i can use a little bit more music but i love it i yeah. love that even even then the production is so minimal mm-hmm. um the lyrics are simple but still like cutting and it's just so much thought goes into it but also not that much he's a true artist i mean like cannonball is probably my favorite song of all time and i don't think i'll ever be able to figure out what the hell it's about Mm. such a great song it's it's hard to describe like uh, it's a bit of a oxymoron that i just said that so much thought goes into it but not that much what i mean is that a lot of thought goes into his art into the crafting of it but he doesn't overthink it you know 
it's it's wow it's keeps it's, it clean keeps yeah. it clean it's so amazing. good and, and but i think i will say though that um and like this is super uninteresting for anyone who doesn't listen to doesn't first of all doesn't even know who he is or doesn't like him but like Look he, lo- he a lost a step when uh lisa when he and lisa hannigan fell out fell out mm. and when that kind of news came out like the fact that they 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 were musician musical partners but then they were also lovers and basically every song is about her and then yeah. he lost her he went on like an eight-year hiatus to kind yeah. of recover and figure it yeah, out yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful thing right? that's, that's mu- music at its most beautiful is when it's dedicated to someone that you love like that and it's there really is something magical about those albums then he went to write an album on a boat <laughs> did he yeah yeah that's, that's the latest when it came out oh. he, he recorded most of it on like a freaking boat um like a true damien rice person the irish man they just get it yeah they just get look, look him up guys like on a rainy day you will not be disappointed Alrighty then so alrighty then. speaking of not disappointed you can't be dis- disappointed by this episode this episode was long and meaty i think it was just the right size yeah it was great yeah thanks so much for listening thanks so much for liking sharing subscribing telling a friend tweeting at us okay we're literally just where we are yours guys yes we're, we're yours for you to listen to to communicate with to reach out to whatever it is we yeah. here for you. We are we are yours and you are mine. That's Game of Thrones wedding. Is it? Yeah. Next we'll be back maybe with I a special guest. Can we say that? Can we say that? I haven't started that damn show. Yeah. Don't even do it. It's what makes you special. <laughs> not liking, not watching Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's your you thing. Special. It's your thing. Nathan and Jenna. Oh, you mean that guy who doesn't like Game of Thrones? He's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> what are you talking about? I love Daenerys. Tar, tar, tar grave. Targ- um, Targaryen and Ned Stark and the and the and the the, the white dragons. Gotta yeah. love that and stuff. The, and the Black Walkers. And the Black Walkers that get shot. And the Red Indians. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> All right, on that note, love you guys. See you next week. Tune, uh, yeah, tune in next week, guys. We've got a very special guest coming up. Next we'll, we'll, guest. We'll, we'll tease it a next little guest. bit. Next guest. We'll tease it a little bit. You know, maybe he's got something to do with some, some Donkey Kong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or some, or some d- d- douche cookie. Yeah. That sounds mean. He's not a douche cookie. He could be. Sometimes. But that's part of his charm, though. I love him so much. And you'll find out who he is next week. Thanks so much, guys. That was a good hang. Good hang. If you don't agree with Nathan, then you're wrong.